Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on GoToDobbs.com today. Tarasenko, and they score! Power play goal! Braden Shen has tied the game for the Blues, and it's 2-2 with 6.26 to go, period number two. Back at even strength to Perunovic to Brown, and they score! Ivan Barbashev on a feed from Brown to the slot. Ivan one times it in, and the Blues have taken a 3-2 lead. Wojciewicz carries it in. Takes it on the wraparound, SCORE! Pavel Vichnevich buries it! And you can bring out the Zamboni! The St. Louis Blues get the gutsiest win of the season! A 4-3 overtime win over the Panthers tonight! Gutsy win indeed! Biggest win of the year, T-Bone! Mark it down. Mark it down? Mark, put a little star, put a little asterisk next That's to it. That's the game that changes everything. That's the game that catapults him to a cup run. That's it right there, ladies Whoa. and gentlemen. Okay, maybe I'll maybe I'll, I'll take my step backwards. I might it's, go there a little bit later December on today. 8th. Hey, BK's not here anymore. It's full of optimism, BK. True. I call you call BK. Me BK. Call you BK. Oh my gosh. Boy, that's gonna happen a lot. It is BK and Ferrario here on a Wednesday. Alex Ferrario, Tanner Hendrickson with you. No BK. As you know, he is getting ready for the nuptials on Saturday and then the honeymoon next week. So I think he's back on what, like the twenty first, the twenty second, and then he gets two days, goes off. I don't know. I just know he's not here for much of this. Slacker, in my opinion. Hey, amen there. But we got plenty of hockey talk to get into because what a game last night for this Blues team to take on and beat the Florida Panthers when they are down a man. And in my opinion, all jokes aside, that was the biggest win of the season. That was a jumping off point for the St. Louis Blues because you took on a best team in the Eastern Conference. You took on a team that got their best player back, which by the way, Barkov scores a goal, the first goal of the game. It's like, oh, come on now. This is what happens to the Blues. You're down Robert Thomas. You're wondering what this offense is going to look like. Can this defense hold up? And frankly, the first period, I thought it was going to be a bloodbath, T-Bone. I I really did. Like 20 shots to five. Randy Carricker, who was at the game with me, we were joking around. The shot projections in that one after the first period were 60 to 15. Like, do we really you, think that's going to go this win way? That way. Yeah. Well, you know who could win that way? Ville Husso. Oh yeah, he could. Ville Husso was superb in that one, but that was a that was a type of game, in my opinion. And I tweeted this last night. It was a jumping off point because Joey said a couple of games ago on the broadcast that this is a fragile group that lost to the Florida Panthers 
It's been up and down in November and December. It's been a team that feels like, oh, we'll get the lead, but then we'll lose, lose the lead. We'll make a bad mistake in our own zone, and it'll lead to a goal. A fragile group in this scenario where you're being outplayed in the first period, but only being down by a goal, that to me was a huge moment for this Blues confidence. Yeah, I'm with you because heading into that game and a little peek behind the curtain, I talked to you before the game yesterday, after the show yesterday, I said, I have a feeling, and I don't know why, maybe it was because the game on Saturday where they were outshot, I think it was like 50, yeah, 51 to 25. I said, this just feels like one of those games where they're going to get blown out of the water because they're going to be shorthanded going in, and you played this team again, who you just met on Saturday, who outplayed you big time. This feels like one of those games that is going to be a blowout. Like you mentioned, they score early in the first period. I said, okay, now here's where that kind of tidal wave comes. Instead, the Blues, they were able to kind of fight through that first, and a lot of the, a lot of the shots, too, were because they were in the penalty box. I think they were in the penalty box three times in the yeah. first, so there was a little bit of that, too. Blues able to cut back on the penalties. They played really well, in my opinion, five on five. And then you get a power play that looked really good last night. And you're able to fight. You're able to, as our buddy Mike Schultz would say, scratch and claw. Amen to that. And you're able to get to overtime, get a point, which was, I think, I don't know if you tweet this or you text me this. Hey, that's a, that's a hell of a point. Huge Even point. if that's all you get, that's a huge point. And then you're able to get a win in overtime. That is such a big game for the St. Louis Blues team, a team that is... I think we talked about it with all the injuries. It just feels like they're on the verge of breaking because there is so many key guys out there. So much money from your salary cap that is on, whether it be the COVID list, IR, or just hurt and still counting against you. So many of those guys are out, and it would be easy for any team to just say, all right, that's it. We throw our hands in the air. We'll go out there. It's going to be tough for us to win any game. The Blues are fighting, and they're fighting consistently staying in games and I, I think last night I'm with you huge win for them to be able to win that one in overtime. and don't overlook the fact that this team's picking up victories on home ice I had this on pregame last night they came into that game against Florida winning four consecutive games at home they are eight three and one overall on the season on home ice that is the best in the central division right behind the Minnesota Wild who sit at 10 and two and look the the bigger reason why that one was so impactful for me T-Bone was because the Blues did that shorthanded. You mentioned the injuries. They had seven guys on the injured list going into that game against the Panthers last night. Then throughout that night goes on, you had Jake Wallman leave in the third period, which did not look good. He was slumped over, skated immediately off the ice to the back of their locker room. And then later in the third period, Huso would get collided with a Florida Panthers guy, which a little amazed they didn't call a goaltender interference there. But regardless, you knew something wasn't right. Ville stayed in the game. Baruby said afterwards they couldn't get him out. Then after Florida scores the goal, Huso immediately leaves the ice. We'll find out what uh, the update is with those two guys at 1130. But you won that game against one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, one of the best teams in the National Hockey League, down two skaters in your number one goaltender. And it's not like Charlie Lindgren came in and didn't see any shots and won the game. No, he stepped three shots in overtime or in the third period, which were right in front of the net saves by Lindgren. So you beat the Panthers shorthanded with your roster. Here's Craig Berube. Oh, I mean, we were shorthanded, that's for sure. But, you know, guys battled and proud of them. They, they worked and came through. I, I mean, that was a sole responsibility game on your big players. And who came through? Tarasenko, Buchnevich, Barbashev. Shen. Shen. 
Brandon Sutton. Didn't BK say the other day that they need him to get going? You need more from him. A power play goal from Jim. Brandon Saad picking up a goal. Logan Brown with goals in three of four. You got to keep your head above water right now with all of these injuries. Whatever this roster is going to look like. I loved it afterwards last night. They asked Baruby, when are you going to start planning the roster or the lines for Thursday's game? And he looked at him. He goes right now and walked off the, the podium. That's life right now. You got to keep your head above water. And you just took five of eight points against two of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, shorthanded in every one of them. Yeah, and and that's huge because it's all about stockpiling points early in the year. And usually you say that, okay, we got to do that against some of the bad teams, some of the bottom dwellers like Arizona. You got to take advantage of playing a team like that. The fact that you're able to take on a team that has won the cup back-to-back times in Tampa Bay and has a lot of the key players still on that team, you're able to get, what was it, two points from them, if I'm not mistaken? Or three? What's that? Three points from Tampa Bay in three, two games? No, you got two points from Tampa, three two, points three from, from Florida. Florida. So the fact that you're able to come away with eight, five of eight points in that scenario, that's really impressive for a team that's really shorthanded at this time. From the 618 on the Air Comfort Service text on at 65780, what if the Blues lose five of their next seven games? Will last night's be a jumping off point? How can you even make a statement when they haven't played a game since? You know why I can make a statement? It's because what we heard post game from Mike Van Ryn. He was with Curbs and Joey immediately following the Blues victory. And what he said is the reason I do believe this is a jumping off point. The reason I do believe that the Blues can put a little win streak together and keep their head above water. Take a listen. Well, you know what? A Chief went in right away. Normally, we don't go in until about eight minutes uh, right before we start the next period. Chief went in right away and just settled him down and said, boys, we got to make plays. We're just flipping pucks, and we're not playing aggressive at all. And you know what? The second period was different for us. We, we hung on to pucks a little more, got it to our ozone game, which... Breeds confidence for our team, and we just kind of kept rolling from there. PP was did a great job. PK, same thing. Craig Berube has been questioned by so many this season, and I can't even defend it saying rightfully so. It shouldn't be because it's more of an explanation of what this team's gone through with injuries, T-Bone. But hearing that, after that team was just beaten in the first period, 20-5, to five, he had three penalties, they had seven shots, They spent the entire game in the offensive zone. The Florida Panthers did. Huso comes up big. He allows one goal. But other than that, it's a one-goal game. And your head coach goes into a locker room and says, calmly, guys, we're in this game. You just got to get to offense. What do they do in the second period? They dominated the second period. It was 15 to eight shots. Blues had three power play opportunities. They scored on a power play goal. The offensive zone time and the possession time, I think was, uh, I think it was like 13 or 14 to 6, 13 to 7, whatever it was, that's why I consider it a jumping off point because I just witnessed my head coach find a way to turn things around. In my opinion, that is why Craig Berube is a perfect match for this team. He knows the identity. He knows what needs to be said and what need, what buttons need to be pushed for the team to turn it around when they absolutely need to. Yeah, I'm with you because like that. that's a game that it, there's a, not a lot that you could, after that first period, it could have easily been a game that you went, oh boy, here we go. This is going to be one of those rough ones. 60 to 15, you said, were the shot projections after the first period. The fact that Craig Brew was able to go in there and kind of jostle the guys and wake them up and get them going for the second, I'll be honest, I didn't expect them to have a period where they would outshoot them 15 to 8 or whatever it was. I didn't expect them to have really a period that was going to be all that competitive, honestly. If they stayed out of the box, they had a shot at it, but you're shorthanded. In 
as the game goes on and you had so much penalty kill time, your top guys, O'Reilly, Sunquist, uh, Shen, all those guys are going to start to get tired as that game moves along because they're having to take more shifts. Honestly, I thought they didn't even look tired last night playing no. in that game. They looked impressive after that first period. I'm with you. That's why Baruby is the guy for the Blues team. He's able to push all the right buttons. Let's not also forget, he had kind of been going back on this public kind of calling out of Vladimir Tarasenko again, yeah. saying, hey, we need more of him. He's got to get more involved. What's he do last night? He has a goal. He has an assist. I thought Vladimir Tarasenko looked excellent last night. Yeah, we're going to get to Vladi. The Russians looked great last night. Barbashev, Buchnevich. Barbashev had two points. Buchnevich had two points. Tarasenko had two points. That's a little bit of an impact there when you need your big guys to step up. He's Tanner Hendricks and I'm Alex Ferrario. It is BK and Ferrario. No BK this week or next as he's getting ready for his wedding. Plenty more blues conversation to get into. Voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, will join us at 1.30. I love this one, too, from the 573. They're off to the same start as last year. It's why you don't compare year to year. A little bit later on in the show, I'm going to tell you why this is a different season than last season. So we'll get to that a little bit later. But coming up next, no Jake Wallman, no Ville Husso, seven guys on the injured list look reinforcements aren't coming so if that's the case what the hell is doug armstrong going to do we'll talk about that next here on 101 espn this is exactly where you want to be listening to us it's bk and ferrario live from the car shield studio on 101 espn Yeah, it feels good. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, they, they, they played well at home. We let it slip away a little bit, and shootout can be anyone's game. So uh, I think we did a good job tonight kind of bouncing back. Obviously, they got the late one, went to overtime, but um, obviously we got the job done tonight in overtime. So it, it definitely feels good. It's a good hockey team. It's a good challenge for us. So uh, that's a big win. It's Brandon Saad after the Blues' victory against the Florida Panthers, talking about how this team's still able to pick up points despite losing all of these players. By the way, side note, Brandon Saad, ladies and gentlemen, 11 goals on the season. Remember when we were talking about free agent options for the Blues, T-Bone, and we were trying to come up with a guy who made sense for the Blues, and we kept going back to Brandon Saad, but it was like, ah, is he going to be a top six player for you? He's not the guy we wanted. We yeah. wanted uh, what's We're like, name? Uh, he's a third line. Probably, probably no. BK. Well, they did want Kuznetsov, but, you know, you wanted Landeskog. You That's wanted Matthew Kachuk, and rightfully so. 11 goals in the first 25 games of the season. Brandon Saad has been a uh, a surprise signing for this St. Louis Blues team. And by the way, Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic uh, is reporting from Blues practice out at Centene, which they don't start for another 10 minutes. But uh, on the ice right now is Charlie Lindgren and an emergency backup goaltender, uh, which means no signs of Ville Husso. We'll have to wait to find out what Craig Berube has to say uh, after the practice later on today. He'll be in a good mood. You're not even going to have a reaction to me saying no, Vili Huso? You know, Man, I, your boy, if your boy would have stayed in that game, T-Bone, you know I would have come in here today and said that he needs to get more playing time. Well, I mean, we didn't need just that game to prove it. Yeah, I kind of did. But, you know, it, it's hard. I, I didn't want to bring it up because I might cry if we did. So, <laughs> Well, get ready to cry, and I'm sure our listeners are going to get ready to cry with this one. We all know the injuries have continued to pile up on this team. But here's the thing. There's no reinforcements coming between now and Sunday's game against the Anaheim Ducks. So I, I went through this last night. James Neal, Klim Kostin on LTIR. Those two guys are skating, 
but they're not eligible to come back until it's 10 games in 24 days. So that means December 18th is the earliest that those two can return for the Blues. And that's next Saturday. So you're talking about tomorrow, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, and then Friday. Another four or five games that you got to play without those two. So on top of those two, you have two guys that are undetermined. Robert Thomas, day-to-day, as what Craig Bruby said, it's been nagging him. So you're kind of unsure with that. David Perron, if it is the head injury, you're not looking like he's coming back anytime soon unless he starts to skate a little bit more. So those guys, you don't even know. There's four players of the seven that you have no idea about. Bozak on COVID, Falk on COVID, Bennington on COVID. Bozak's earliest he can return is the 11th, which would be Saturday. All right. But we all know those guys don't just jump back into play right away. Falk and Bennington are the 12th. Again, not coming back right away. Where I'm getting at with this is that's three games at minimum you're going to be playing without all of these players. So the roster you have right now is the roster you're going to be stuck with, which, look, they found ways to pick up points, which if there's any consolation to all of this, it's they have a roster that can get things done, but that's a lot of time to be missing these players. Yeah, I mean, we talk about You look at this list that takes up two pages on my rundown here because it's so long. A lot of these guys on this list would be, if you put a list together before the season said, who are going to be the top five guys for the Blues this season? I could argue that there's probably three on yeah, here. That's what I would say, three of the top five but at the start of the season. So, including your number one goaltender, yeah. by the way. So, that that is such a big loss for this Blues team, how they're going to overcome this. And we just talked about it last segment a little bit. Is It's about leadership and it's about character and not being fragile. And I, I think this Blues team... As much as it's weird to say, kind of learned from a scenario like this last year. Remember last year, they, they dealt with all the injuries and things mm-hmm. kind of fell apart, and then they got things back together to get into the playoffs late in the year. I, I think they've learned from that. It's not very often that teams have this in back-to-back years. The Blues have this previous experience. I think they have learned from that. They know that, hey, all we got to do is we got to stay afloat. It's going to come down to us playing a... As a five-man unit, there can't be anybody taking any nights off. Otherwise, it's going to expose us because there's just fewer of us out here. So mm-hmm. I think they've learned from this. It, it will be interesting to see if the Blues are able to kind of finagle around the salary cap and bring up some help if they can. But even then, it's going to be very tough. It's going to be really tough because of what we just saw last night. The, Blue, the NHL rules uh, force the team to go without an emergency call-up player if they don't have enough bodies to go. And then the next game, they're able to. So if that's the case... Blues have already three guys up on emergency loan slash exemption. It's Brown, Joshua, and uh, and Charlie Lindgren. So from there, you're not really sure where you're able to go with this. And the Blues did recall a player to help things out. We'll talk about him momentarily. But one thing that you said, T-Bone, is talking about the leadership and the depth standing up and how you overcome this. And I teased it. How, how do the Blues manage their way through this? One, it comes down to your number one guys being your number one guys. Exactly what we saw last night. You needed Braden Shen to show up for you. You needed a good game from Tarasenko, who was um, decreased in minutes the game prior because he wasn't playing. He was a passenger to what the Blues were trying to accomplish. But for me, it comes to depth, too. Logan Brown has points in three of his four games. He was catapulted to a third-line center role. And on top of that third line center role, he was playing on the second power play unit and picked up a point. It was on, or it was at even strength, but he created a lot of offense on the power play side. Dakota Joshua may not be the glam and glitz type of player for some people. Played 10 minutes and 40 seconds in that game. But he had three hits, and he created some offense in the zone. 
for the Blues to overcome the this amount of injuries to this impactful players, it's going to come down to the depth players taking on a bigger role. It's what they didn't have last year. When they needed Sanford and Blay to be top six, top nine forwards, T-Bone, they didn't, they didn't fill that void for the Blues, and they struggled to score goals. You look at Brown, you look at Barbashev, you look at Sunquist, you look at Joshua, you look at these guys that you're going to call up, those are the ones you have to rely on. Yeah, and not only do you have to just rely on the depth as well, the guys that are your top paid guys, your top players that are healthy and are skating, you have to have them play well as well. They can't be, they can't have a uh, off night. They can't go cold for a couple of games like we saw from Vladdy where he had 10 games where he was scoreless. I thought he still played okay during the 10-game stretch, but he wasn't scoring, and that's what you need him to be. You look at last night. You got the depth, as you mentioned. You had Logan Brown play well. Logan Brown was on the power play. Barbashev was awesome last night. And then you look at the top-end guys. I thought Ryan O'Reilly played well. Vladimir Tarasenko had a goal and assist. Braden Shen got a goal as well. I mean, even though as tough as it is for teams to be able to, or the Blues to be able to win shorthanded, if you're getting your top guys to play like you expect and you just get the depth guys to not really play like a top-end player, but at least play towards expectations and take just a little bit of a step forward because of the injuries, you're going to be fine throughout this process of handling all these injuries. So the Blues were able to call up one player, and it was Nathan Walker from the Springfield Thunderbirds. He is coming up uh, as that emergency call-up because of the Robert Thomas injury the other day. But I was thinking last night, with the call-ups that you have from Springfield, and you've already brought up the two best players down there, and Scott Perunovich and Logan Brown, third best I would throw in there, Dakota Joshua. This felt like a T-bone three last night of the three players that the Blues could call up in the AHL. You know the problem is? What? There's more than just three that they could call You're up. damn right there is. It's five. Hit the open, T-Bone. You're listening to BK and Ferrario. It's time for the Ferrario Five, a top five list of very random things. So, Ferrario, give us your top five. So we're getting a lot of texts asking why Jake Neighbors can't be called up in emergency conditions. Um, he's not on my top five, so don't get excited. Son of a... You can't call these players up. As soon as they go back to juniors hockey, they're at juniors hockey until the end of their season. And plus, he's already getting set for the world junior team with Canada. So look, Jake Neighbors is not going to be coming it's back over. anytime soon. It's No, it's not over. I just said last segment they're going I'm to the sorry, cup, man. They, you know, this you... was the jumping off point. Remember I upset the texter? Yeah, but... By the way, you know, in the open, it always says random things. We haven't really had a no. random thing one. This kind of feels random. Who thought we'd be talking about, like, your... I don't even know what number we're at on the depth chart now of guys that could be called up. This feels kind of random. Didn't expect yeah, to have this, this is, conversation. This is about year. as random as it can be because I'm going to give you five names that you've probably heard of two of them. So, again, that Nathan Walker that might be pushing, especially for you. Nathan Walker was recalled today, so he was the player. Him. You have heard of him. That's the Australian monster is what I like to call it. Watch out for him. Six goals, 11 assists in 19 games for the Springfield Thunderbirds. He was tied for second in points on the AHL team. So he was in my top five. They recalled him. But with the Jake Wallman and Ville Husso scenario, you might have to call up some other guys. So there's five guys, though, that I'm looking at that I'm sitting here wondering. These are legitimate options that the Blues should consider. Number five on this list is Mackenzie McEachern. I've heard of him. Have heard of him. That's ding. That's two. He's not having the greatest year for the Springfield Thunderbirds. 16 games, four goals and four assists. 
but he plays Craig Berube's system. And you think about who you're bringing up. If Logan Brown's playing, he's your third line. You're bringing up fourth liners. Nathan Walker's coming in to play with Dakota Joshua on your fourth line for Thursday's game. I, I like the idea of a Mackenzie McEachern, Dakota Joshua fourth line. I think they can throw their weight around a little bit. I think they can they can make the physical presence know, which is always beneficial to the Blues. So he was number five. And I like that one, too, because not only, as you mentioned, he fits into Craig Berube's system. Yeah, and he knows it. But he's also a guy that has just a little bit of experience. It's not going to be, okay, we have to throw in a guy with his very first game. Here's the taste of the NHL. It's a right. guy that's he's been up and down, knows the system, has played with these guys before. I really like McKenzie McKenzie. And he's, and he's hungry for it, too. Like yeah. He was sent to the AHL, and he didn't want to be sent to the AHL. Number four on this list is Alexei Toropchenko. Now, this is... Yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, I thought so. This is a, a young forward for the Blues. He's been in their system for the last couple of years. I remember Tim Taylor talking about him during training camp, and he said he's going to get a sniff of the NHL at some point this season. This guy, you want to talk about a Mongoon. I know he doesn't play. We could use a Mongoon. We could. He doesn't play defense, though. This is a forward. Uh, He's not going to help you there. This guy's six foot three, 200, and pound, 200 pounds. Wow. He got nine points, five goals in 19 games. I think he's still a little fresh for this Blues team, a little bit raw. But again, a towering body that if I'm going to go one way with my forwards, it's I want tall dudes in front of the net because you're going for deflections. What's Logan Brown been doing? Parking himself right in front of the net. Torupchenko was number four on this list for me. That sounds like a call-up that could, I'm not saying he would play just like this, but sounds kind of like a Dakota Joshua call-up where it's give him a taste in the NHL, big body, not going to be a goal scorer. And maybe just a little bit of freshness is something the Blues could use as well. I know they've played well last night, but maybe something new, someone making his NHL debut. We saw that provide a little bit of a spark for the Blues last year when they called up Dakota Joshua. Number three on this list is Nathan Walker. And Nathan Walker is having a very good season for the Springfield Thunderbirds. Six goals, 11 assists. We've seen him before, a scrappy forward that plays really well. I think he'll be a good addition. He could play wing with Joshua being the centerman on your uh, fourth line. Number two on this list was Matthew Pekka. He is the lead. No, yeah, no, didn't think so. Now, he is the leading goal scorer for the Springfield Thunderbirds. He has 10 in 19 games. Here's the thing he's small. He's 5'8, like, 182 pounds. Oh my gosh, it's like me. But he's got NHL experience. He's played 78 games in the National Hockey League. He's played for Tampa, Montreal, and Ottawa. And he's a goal scorer. He's a centerman naturally, but we've seen Joshua play the wing. So I kind of liked the idea of the Blues looking at this Matthew Peck, and they signed him to a uh, a two-way deal this offseason just to bring in some depth. I liked the idea of bringing this guy up because it brought a little goal-scoring punch to your fourth line, which gives you the opportunity to put those guys out there at even strength in the first and second period. And the first one on my Ferrario 5 of players that they should call up from the AHL to make an impact right now was Sam Annis. Not because of the name. I know, T-Bone. Chuckle to yourself. I almost had it. 12 points in in 19 games, but here's the thing. He's been a pure goal scorer in the minor leagues in his national or in his uh NHL career. But he also was the one that Craig Ruby talked to the most about during training camp. If you remember correctly, he was one of the last guys standing before they made those final cuts. He was there with Perunovic and Dakota Joshua when they chopped down the roster. He's got he's got no NHL experience, which is probably the holdback on this one but he's got two seasons where he scored 20 or more goals in the AHL. He was the one for me where I'm thinking, man, you put a guy who could play the wing with Dakota Joshua who can score, could be a dangerous-looking player for this team. I like it. The the one that you mentioned, Pekka, 
he would be interesting. I wonder if the Blues would want someone, though, that could provide a scoring punch on the fourth line. I mean, at this point, you're mostly looking for a body. Do you want to get a big body that's going to go to the net and hit people, or do you want a guy that's got goal-scoring mentality? Right. That's the interesting thing, because I, you mentioned that fourth line. It's Joshua, Walker. Maybe Walker. Maybe I view Walker a little differently, but I, I look at both those guys, and I don't really say those guys have goal-scoring mentality. I think you mentioned Walker's got, what, 10 goals or something like that? Yeah. So. Maybe Nathan, I just view him differently. Yeah, Nathan, I mean, look, Walker's played at the NHL level for the Blues. Uh, he's been a very reliable player for them. But, uh, again, uh, look, understand that the player they're calling up is maybe going to see nine minutes of ice time because they're going to do exactly what they did last night against the Florida Panthers. So that's my Ferrario 5 in this one. Mackenzie McEachran, number 5. Number 4 was Alexei Toropchenko. 3 was Nathan Walker, who was recalled today by the St. Louis Blues from the Springfield Thunderbirds. Number 2 was Matthew Pekka. Number 1 was Sam Annis. We'll take a break here on BK and Ferrario. Vladimir Tarasenko, T-Bone talked about him a little bit of having a good game last night. Is he back to his form that they need him to be? And can you take the good with the bad of Vladdy? We'll get into that coming up next year on BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. They are St. Louis. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Vladdy Tarasenko scoring after a 10-game goal drought, a necessary game for them to have Vladdy back in. Only played 15 minutes and 9 seconds last night compared to 14-20 the night prior. And someone texted on the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 saying, still played a little amount of time. They had five penalty kills in that game. And uh, Vladdy's not played on the penalty kill, so no, no. that uh, that's why you didn't see a whole lot from him. But look, he made a lot out of his 15 minutes and nine seconds of ice time, had four shots on goal, uh, one goal, one assist, two points, that Russian line coming up with a big goal in that second period at even strength. Tarasenko scoring from Barbashev and Buchnevich. And look, Vladdy's had the good, Vladdy's had the bad. And we expected a little bit of both this season for the amount of time that he has missed and with everything that took place in the offseason – it was tough to to see what he did in the first, what was it, six games, eight games of the season, T-Bone, where he was picking up points after points after points. I mean, he went on a point streak where he had seven straight games and picked up, quick math on the air, don't do this, 11 points in six straight. Like, it was tough to see that and be like, oh, Vladdy's back, it's going to happen. Yeah. But if the Blues want to keep their head above water, if they want to withstand this amount of injury, He's the one that you look at. You look at O'Reilly, you look at Tarasenko. As much as you look at Buchnevich and Thomas and Cairo, those guys are up and coming. It's the guys that have been established and have been there. And what's tough is those two guys, O'Reilly, of course, we know what he's going with the COVID, but with Vladdy is, he's a streaky guy. He's going to give you games where he puts up points consecutively, but he's also going to give you 10 straight where he doesn't score a goal. And what do you do in those 10 games? Yeah, and and that is the thing with Vladdy. He's always been known as that streaky guy. But if he, and I'm not saying he's getting ready to go on this long streak of, what you just say, 11 points in like seven games? I'm not saying he's about to go on that. But it was a good sign to see him get back on the score sheet last night because if Vladdy gets hot, and I said this to Danny Mack on the Danny Mack Show with BK, if Vladdy gets hot, he's a guy that can carry a team. And he's healthy. 
It looks like he's healthy. I don't think he's dealing with an injury. There could be something that's nagging him. I'm sure there is that we just don't know Nagging everybody at this time of the season. But he's a kind of guy that if he is right and he gets hot, he's the kind of guy that can carry a team on his back. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many times when, when in his prime before the first shoulder surgery where it was, okay, the Blues aren't playing well, but man, that Vladimir Tarasenko, he's he's gone on this streak where he's got 10 goals in eight games, and he's kind of carrying this Blues offensively. Now it's just a matter of shutting them down defensively with their goaltending. The Blues, if Vladdy does that, if he can get hot, and you get O'Reilly, who looks like he's getting pretty much back to 100% from his COVID bout, and we'll see about Braden Chen. He's dealing with an injury. We'll see if he can yeah. continue to looked play good well. last he looked night, good I last night. So if Vladdy gets hot, I mean, you're talking about a guy that could single-handedly help propel this team throughout this rough stretch with all these injuries. And what do we talk about? We just say you got to stay afloat. Vladdy's the guy, if he gets hot, not only will help you stay afloat, but could be a guy that helps you kind of float above the water, and you can see this team, I'm not saying go on a winning streak, but play very good hockey with with like 15 guys out. Yeah, look, and everybody's streaky in the NHL, unless you're Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews, right? And look, Vladdy is... Vladdy has been a superstar in the NHL, and I think those injuries took a little bit of a toll on him. But you're right, T-Bone. He's a streaky guy. You know, at the first start of this, or at the start of the year, he didn't have a goal at a point in the first two games, and then he scores against Vegas, and he picks up four goals in his next four games. Then doesn't score for about six, then scores three in a row. That's how Vladdy works here. And I thought it, I was with you. I thought it was very important for him to score that goal and put a little confidence on his side. And Craig Berube thought it was important for Vladdy to get on the score sheet as well. Very important. I think uh, Vladdy, um, you know, was a real important goal for him. Um, I thought he I thought he really played well in the second and third. Remember, this was a couple of games after Craig Berube called out Vladdy, where he said, we got to get more from him. He's got to be more effective on the ice. And I posed the question, T-Bone, is the good, does the good cancel out the bad with Flatty. And that I think is the most important thing with this because the game where he was 14 minutes and 20 seconds of ice time against the Florida Panthers, he was on the goal on the ice for two of the three goals that were scored on the blues. If you look at his streak where he picked up 11 points in six games, it's crucial to this blues team. Look at the wins that they had, but then you go through the slump in November where the blues were in the midst of winning a game, losing three. I think they had two wins in a matter of seven games. He was a minus in all but one of those games. So the thing with Vladdy is, and Vladdy's always been a a goal scorer, not the two-way forward, but the thing with Vladdy is, if you're not going to get the goals, you got to have the effort elsewhere. And when you're missing this amount of players on your roster, when you don't have Justin Falk on the blue line, when you don't have Tyler Bozak to play penalty kill in five-on-five minutes for you, when you have to cut down the ice time of Joshua and Brown, who are you looking to? Because only Ryan O'Reilly and Buchnevich and Saad can only do so much. Shen's not 100%. That's where Vladdy comes in. That's what turns around Vladdy's season, in my opinion. He doesn't have to be a goal scorer every night. He just has to be a guy who can play 17 solid minutes of ice time and make sure he's just as smart as in his own zone as he is in the offensive zone. Yeah, and you know, to your point, can you handle the good? Can the good outweigh the bad? Yeah, it, it can, and that, and I think it always has with Vladdy and his scoring and his shot potential. The only reason that you can kind of bring it up now is because, as you mentioned, they're such short, they're so short-handed right now that everything is kind of enhanced a little bit more. So Vladdy being making sure you get a hundred percent effort from him throughout the course of a game is very important. And to your point on, you know, we heard Craig Bruby call him out a, uh, I think it was last week when he called him out saying, "Hey, we just need to get more from Vladimir Tarasenko." I think we had the conversation; it may have been on Monday about. 
How does Vladdy react? Does Vladdy, who wants a trade, just say, you know what, I'm kind of done. I'm done with this. I don't want to be called out by the head coach. Or does he respond? And seeing him get a goal and get an assist, again, I'm not saying he's back and he's getting ready to go on a point streak, but it's very important to see that he was given, he gave a solid effort last night, looked solid, and with him being able to do that, it's just going to propel the Blues forward just a little bit while dealing with all these injuries. That's a great point. That's a really good point with uh, with Vladimir Tarasenko. Air Comfort Service text line 65780 if you want to get in on the conversations. We got questions and answers coming up in just a bit. We also, in about 15 minutes or so, was that a statement win by the Blues that gave you optimism? Or are you still concerned about this team? I'm going to tell you why you need to be optimistic of this team. We'll get to that in 15 minutes. Questions and answers is next here on BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe? Text now to 65780. It's BK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. Air Comfort Service text line is 65780. You can text us some questions. Myself, Tanner Hendrickson, will answer them. No BK here or pretty much the rest of this week and next. He's out for his wedding. He'll be back on the 21st. So you get me and BK and some special guests along the way for the next couple really? of weeks. What I do? You said me and BK and oh, a couple of special sorry, guests. Sorry, man. You know what? I'm He's just my PIC, you know? I'm just going to go home. He's my PIC. That's fine. P-I-C. We, don't, we don't need you anyway. You don't know what PIC stands for? No. And you're young. Google it. Send Is it a, safe to Google? No, probably not. Make sure it's PIC, not the other one. Oh. Air Comfort Service text line is 65780. T-Bone, what do we got on the text line? All right, from the 618, according to power, uh, NFL Power in, Football Power Index, excuse me, the Bucks first Pats has the highest percentage for a Super Bowl matchup at 10%. Would that be the best matchup in the NFL for the Super Bowl. So that's the highest likely matchup? Highest likely matchup. Oh, not the yeah. entertainment so they, They've got a value. bunch of different ones. Yeah, of what, running the numbers, running the simulations, the highest percentage one is Bucks pats at 10%. Is that the best Super Bowl matchup the NFL could hope for? I think yes. I, I think absolutely yes. I mean, they're not, they're not the biggest money markets, I guess. But Brady, but Brady Belichick. and Belichick, do you know how many storylines are going to be involved with that? How many people are going to want to spend money on that solely because of people watching Brady versus Belichick? I think that would be the best one. Another one I think that would be interesting for a lot of people in terms of viewers will be Aaron Rodgers in the Super Bowl. And I don't know if it's Aaron Rodgers. Pick your poison with the AFC, but I think Rodgers would be the most intriguing one. Rodgers Mahomes probably would be the most intriguing. That'd be probably good. Or maybe Rodgers and... I don't know if Lamar carries... Lamar or Allen, I don't know if they carry the same thing for the NFL, though. In terms of for your... They're great quarterbacks, (laughs) don't get me wrong, but I just don't think they carry enough as Mahomes. The other thing I was going to say, too... As much as I would love to see Belichick and Brady kind of meet up in the Super Bowl, we already got in the regular season. Does that kind of dilute it a little bit? Maybe it does just a bit. Yeah. I I just think the Rodgers storyline is interesting because it could be his last year. And everyone's going to be watching and being like, what's going on? But I think you're right. The best matchup would be Brady versus Belichick. Yeah, because looking around and like looking at all these other teams, I mean, out of the AFC, I'm not kidding. Legitimately, anybody could get in and win the AFC and get to the Super Bowl. Yeah. But I think New England's the most intriguing team because it's kind of that first year without Tom Brady. You have the franchise quarterback in Mac Jones. And in my opinion, this may be one of Bill Belichick's best pieces of work in terms of his coaching 
because the team started, if I'm not mistaken, like one and three, and now they're nine and four. Yeah. So, I mean, you just talk about the turnaround that Bill Belichick's had. I think they're probably the team for me. From the 314 in the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. So when can we expect all of the Blues roster players back at full strength? <laughs> um, I guess it defines define full strength. Is just getting them back on the ice or being back to 100%? Because getting them back on the ice, as long as nothing else happens... I mean, you're going to get pretty much all of them with the exception of Perron, Thomas, and we don't know about Huso and Wallman. You're going to get the other five back. Then a 19th, the 20th. That would be probably when you get everyone back. But in terms of impactful players, and no disrespect to Neil or Costin, but those two are kind of fringe players. And right now, Brown and Joshua have played well. You're going to get Bozak, Falk, and Bennington back no later than the 13th. But, I mean, honestly, if you're looking at this and saying, when are we going to be at full strength? January? And Yeah, and to, to that point of, you know, when January is maybe when they're at full strength, we were talking in the office before the show is, okay, they'll be at full strength at, let's just say it's right after the Christmas break. Everybody's back. Don't expect them to be out there and expect this, like, superpower of a team. Oh, we're healthy. We're back. It's going to take a while for chemistry to kind of come together with the lines that are being having to be put back together. I think we were talking the final two and a half months is what we'll re- when we'll really know what we have in this Blues team. Yeah, I, I think, think we know you don't have a top four defenseman. Other than that, I think they're solid with their forwards. I think the depth is there. I think the goaltending is fine. Will there be something else that comes up in, uh, along the way? Maybe, but we won't right. know that till they're at full strength and have gotten the chemistry back up and built together. So about February is when I would say you can expect the full team to be moving at its full gear. Yeah, I think you're going to be mid-January where you'll start to get a really good idea. I think you have a good idea of what this team is from the first five games of the season, but now you just have not been able to see that. And again, we'll talk about that in about 10 minutes or so. Um, But you got 47 games from January 1st until the end of the season. That's over half of the year. I mean, that's... And remember, you get three weeks off for the Olympics if the Olympics happen. So you get some rest time there. February could be a really in, in February March could be a really interesting and important month for the St. Louis Blues. Let's do this one as the final one from the 636. Boys, do you have any insight if the NHL players will be playing in the Olympics? I don't know if you saw this T-Bone. I talked to you and BK about this yesterday during commercial. So Robin Leonard's the first one to opt out of going to play in China for the Olympics, an NHL player uh, because apparently if a player tests positive for covid in china they have to do a three-week quarantine in china and robin leonard said i just can't do that for my mental health now the olympics are so important for a majority of hockey players to represent their country but i wonder if those stipulations i wonder if the nhl is trying to do a little bit of a scare tactic on them saying hey you didn't like the bubble imagine what three weeks in china are going to be like if you go test positive yeah, I don't know if the NHL used a scare tactic because I think it's good for the NHL to send guys to the Olympics. I know they didn't send them in the last Olympics. See, I think it's the complete opposite. NHL oh, used I, it as not a good thing. I think, and if I remember correctly, they did not go to the last Olympics, which were, where, where was, were they, Sochi? Is that right? Yes, question mark. But the last, so the last Olympics, they didn't send them. And from what I remember reading was that they kind of wanted to send them in China because there's not much of a... NHL perspective or market there so you move the game to somewhere that is not well known and that's by sending the NHL players over there for the Olympics 
I still think the NHL is going to allow them unless things get worse for the National Hockey League. I expect to see that we will probably see some guys opt out because, as Robin Leonard said, it's it, maybe it's bad for a couple guys' mental health. Maybe they just don't want to go do it because of concerns over COVID-19. Expect it kind of like with uh, baseball when we had a couple guys opt out of the 2020 season. I expect a majority of guys to go. I do think there will be a handful that opt out because, as you mentioned, some guys do view this as a very important part. Like, I remember Alex Ovechkin. When it was yeah. told the players weren't going to go in 2016. 20- he said, suspend me. 16. Yeah, suspend me. I want to go play for my country. I want to go play for Russia. Yeah. I just, I, the NHL views it as money being lost at the time because they don't have the partnership with the Olympics to sell gear and things like that. So I think the, I think the Olympics, I think the NHL side, like Gary Bettman's hoping that this thing doesn't go through, but they gave that uh, the NHL players, they gave that to him in the uh, CBA negotiation. So that'll be interesting. But man, personally, that's going to really suck if they don't get to go to the Olympics, because that's the one event that I always look forward to. He's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Alex Ferrario. It is BK and Ferrario coming up in about 15 minutes or so. Do the Cardinals need to get creative this offseason? It's something the fast lane talked about yesterday that had me and T-Bone thinking. But coming up next, that was a big win last night. But is it enough to give you confidence in this Blues team? I'm going to tell you why it should next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to more of it. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. some news from blues training training camp we got news from blues practice is it good no it's not good it's not good at all um so we're gonna hear from doug armstrong momentarily he's speaking with the media right now giving an update on everything that's gone on so here's kind of a quick synopsis ville huso jake wallman they both are be being evaluated by the medical team uh they'll have a better knowledge of their injury and kind of how long they'll be out on Friday. Uh, both are upper body injuries, according to Doug Armstrong. So they will not have Ville Husso and Jake Wallman for tomorrow's game against the Detroit Red Wings. They did recall Nathan Walker. We talked about that a little bit ago. Nathan Walker was the one that they were able to call up an emergency situation when Robert Thomas was injured. So Nathan Walker will be with the team tomorrow. They also signed John Gillies to a one-year two-way contract veteran minimum contract if you remember the name john gillies he was a part of the blues roster last season they signed him he was in the minor leagues um didn't get any time with the st louis blues but he basically played in the 2020 21 season with the utica comets played five games with them uh, in the 21 22 season this year he's played with the providence bruins the lay valley phantoms the Maine mariners in the east coast hockey league he's basically been a guy who's been moved around in the ahl john gillies is going to be the backup to charlie lindgren on the game Thursday night against the Detroit Red Wings. And guess what, T-Bone? It doesn't stop there. Because the Blues sustained an injury last night, Nathan Walker was the emergency call-up for the Robert Thomas injury sustained in that Saturday game against Florida. So the Blues have to play shorthanded again tomorrow until they can call another player up in emergency situation for Saturday's game. And then if there's another injury in tomorrow's game, they got to wait another time. This is the biggest joke in the NHL rules. We'll talk about that, that in just a bit, but here's Doug Armstrong on everything that's gone on. Uh, Gillies is called up because Huso is out with a lower body injury and Wallman's out with an upper body injury. 
Uh, they're getting tested today, so we'll have an update on them on uh, Friday uh, when we get all that information. Um, back sort of for, for cap issues, uh, both of our remaining goalies, because of their structured contracts where their bonuses take them slightly over 850 uh, we had to sign somebody that was making 850 or less so gillies was playing in the american hockey league on an, on an ahl contract we signed him uh he'll be in tonight uh and be ready to to partner tomorrow with lindgren and uh we'll just take it day by day from there to to where where villy is and uh we're hoping to get uh bennington back uh Early, early to late next week. Uh, with Walker, because we played short last night, uh, we were able to bring up Walker for today's game. Uh, but because of the rules, we got another injury. We have to play short again tomorrow. Uh, and then if we have no injuries, we can be back to full strength on, on Saturday. So uh, as of now, it looks like we have to play short again tomorrow uh, because of the way the, the CBA is written. Um, you know, on the, on the COVID front, it's a, it's been a, obviously a slippery slope for us right now of our, with our minor league team inactive because of COVID, we have, uh, 13 employees down there with COVID eight players. So when you look at the, look at our current roster right now of eligible players, uh, that could play hockey, 25% of our groups has COVID right now. Uh, so it's just, we're, we're working through it. We're trying to to do the best we can to put a product on the ice that uh, is competitive. Obviously, I tip my hat to the guys what they did last night uh, against a, a very good Florida team. Really, what they've done uh, uh, since we since the COVID has uh, hit hit the guys on the last road trip. I think they've they've done a heck of a job. Well, that uh, that kind of throws my Ferrari five into the trash can. That's why they couldn't call up some of the players. Possibly, we don't know. But you heard Doug Armstrong mention there that thirteen total people. Coaches, staff, players all are on the COVID list in the American Hockey League. They haven't been playing uh, since, God, I think it was the middle of November. So their next game is on Friday. But just a nightmare right now for this team. I mean, what else are you supposed to do in this circumstance? You literally have to go out there and sign a goaltender because you don't have anybody else. And people are asking, why not Joel Hofer? Because of the signing bonuses that Hofer's contract has, it doesn't allow them to call him up because of the salary cap. It's the same thing they have with Scott Perunovich. They couldn't call him up when Krug was on the COVID list because of his signing bonuses. So you have to sign a goaltender. And look, no disrespect to John Gillies. John Gillies might be fine. But John Gillies is an American Hockey League goaltender. You got two AHL goaltenders starting for you right now because your two guys are unavailable. And on top of it, the NHL forces the team to play shorthanded again because they figured, well, you didn't suffer enough in Thursday or in Tuesday's game against Florida when you were without Robert Thomas. Oh, what's that? You have another injury? Well, guess what? You got to play shorthanded again. Then we'll give you the emergency call up. It's kind of a joke the way that the NHL has put this together. Yeah, it's a tough spot for the St. Louis Blues with the guys that are going to be on the going onto the injury list of this group that we have on. We just mentioned it heading into the show. I mean. Three of your five best players are already out, and now you're going to add two more guys on top of it, and you've got two AHL goaltenders 
that are going to be getting a start for you. And we'll see if they're good. It's going to come down to the Blues stepping up. The depth's going to have to be good again. Yeah. Uh, hopefully it is just one game so they can get the emergency exemption again and they don't have any more injuries. If you want to take a little very teeny tiny kind of a bright side approach oh, to this. Oh, you going glass half full yeah, here today? Well, you trying to live longer, as Mike more, Schilt told us? Yeah, this is more like just a little drop of water in my glass. But <laughs> The sink's just turned on. Yeah, the it's a good thing the Blues aren't playing back-to-back right now. Now, they, right they, now. they'd play back-to-back <laughs> What, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. So the Blues hopefully can escape this game tomorrow against Detroit healthy because if they don't and they have to play one game shorthanded again, then it's on the the beginning part of a back-to-back. That's just one little kind of very, 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 very small glass half full. Can I add a little bit more water to that glass oh, for yeah, you to make it ahead. even fuller? Yeah, You're taking on a Detroit Red Wings team that's banged up. Oh. Tyler Bertuzzi's on the COVID list for them. And uh, last night, Moritz Sider, their top defenseman, he had to exit the game early because of an injury. Man, now they're they're going to have a full roster to to go out there with, but at least it's not the Florida Panthers. Uh, and by the way, um, again, somebody's texting and asking about Jake Neighbors. You cannot call up a player when he gets back to his juniors team until the end of that season, so he is unavailable for that team. Uh, no Perron and no Wallman. No, I'm sorry, no Perron and no Thomas. Thomas, thank you, T Bone. Uh, as Doug Armstrong said both are day-to-day, both are getting more testing done, but he said they are unavailable for tomorrow's game. So you're going to have probably 10 forwards and you'll have 11 forwards and 6 D-men tomorrow. Yeah. Because Wallman's the one that's out. So you'll have 11 forwards, 6 D-men. And if you're just joining us, John Gillies was signed to a one-year two-way contract. He is going to be backing up Charlie Lindgren in tomorrow's game. And the other thing, just reading kind of in between the lines based on the way uh, Arnie was describing the situation for the Blues it almost sounds like I would not expect David Braun over the weekend as well. And the reason I say that is because he kind of hesitated just a bit when he's speaking of David Perron. Yeah, We know it's an upper body. We are assuming it is a head injury, concussion injury pot potentially. Again, we're just assuming. We're, we're not 100% sure. I don't think anything's been confirmed. But I, based on the way Doug Armstrong just spoke there to the media, it, yeah. to me it almost sounded like I would – I would not expect to see David Prawn this weekend. Now, granted, they will be able to get that exemption after playing tomorrow, and then we'll see another call-up. We'll see who it right. is. But like like he mentioned, the Blues have not only are they dealing with COVID issues here in the NHL, they are dealing with it uh, even a little bit more of an – yeah, a little bit more at the AHL as well. Now it's beyond COVID, though. And someone texted into the NHL has to stop testing players without symptoms. This has nothing to do with COVID. This is this is the NHL's rule on calling up players with injuries that aren't on LTIR to open up cap space. Like, and I understand this is the way they did it because there are loopholes that teams can exploit, like the Nikita Kucherov with the Tampa Bay Lightning of putting someone on LTIR until the salary until the season is over, and then you bring that player back in the playoffs. There's no loopholes being exploited here. These guys are unable to play, and the NHL isn't allowing them to. What is the difference between emergency calling up a player for Thursday's game and emergency calling up somebody for Saturday's game? Like, why punish a team that can't put a full roster on the ice for one game when they just did it for one game? Oh, but because you have a new injury, we have to punish you again? That's the rules that don't make sense to me. This is beyond COVID and testing. The Blues have the players on there. They have to deal with that. They've dealt with it already five other times. It's the rule of not being able to call up players is the joke, in my opinion. So, again, nothing you can do about it. As Craig Bruby says, there's no complaining about it. 
You go out, you play the game. The Blues did a a very strong job against Florida last night, and they'll have to do this again against Detroit on Thursday. So again, if you're just joining us, um, Huso, Wallman, Perron, Thomas, all unavailable for tomorrow's game. Huso and Wallman are be reevaluated. Uh, we'll find out more about their injury on Friday. Nathan Walker was recalled an emergency basis for Robert Thomas, his exit from last night's game. So he will be joining the team for Thursday's game. They signed John Gillies, a goaltender, to a one-year two-way contract. He will be backing up Charlie Lindgren in the game tomorrow night. And then on top of it, the Blues will have to play shorthanded once again until they can get an emergency call-up for Saturday's game against the Anaheim Ducks. A lot going on right now, but guess what, T-Bone? I'm going to make this glass even fuller because I'm going to tell you why that victory last night against the Panthers should provide you optimism about that team. We're getting to that next year on BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. This is exactly where you want to be listening to us. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield studio on 101 ESPN. Lichnevich carries it in. Takes it on the wraparound. Score! Pavel Lichnevich buries it. And you can bring out the Zamboni. The St. Louis Blues get the gutsiest win of the season. A 4-3 overtime win over the Panthers tonight. Gutsy win for the Blues last night against the Panthers. Shorthanded. And the worst is behind them, T-Bone. What? No, it's not. It actually has gotten much worse. As now, no Ville Husso and Jake Wallman get an update on them either tomorrow or Friday. Blues had to sign John Gillies to a one-year two-way contract to back up Charlie Lindgren for tomorrow's game. And the Blues will have to play shorthanded once again as Nathan Walker is up for Robert Thomas, but with no Jake Wallman. The Blues were unable to recall multiple players, so they have to play a game shorthanded. Then they get another emergency call up from the NHL, and God only hope that there's no more injuries. I was just talking to my agent in the hallway, uh, Jamie River. You may have heard of him. Jamie's your agent? Yeah, yeah. Good agent. Way too, to go, way. Jamie. He said they're talking with, we're talking about having to bring me into the hey, thing. Oh, God. I will. And I'm a tiny body, but I could go stand in front of the net and let a puck hit no, me I and go in. I, I, think, I think, no, no. No? I, I think someone hits you, and you'd go in the net rather than the puck going into the net. That's fine. I'd rather take Jamie Rivers on the ice. That's uh, that's much better in this that's circumstance. He did used to play. <laughs> By the way, Doug Armstrong did say that the guys that are on the COVID protocol list, uh, they are very little symptoms. So he said that the hope is they can return pretty quickly once they come off. And again, I talked about this earlier. Bozak is eligible to come off the COVID list on the 11th. Bennington and Falk eligible on the 12th. So if that's the case, maybe you get them back after one game and they're back that game against the Dallas Stars on next Tuesday. One thing that I did find in Interesting from that comment that Doug Armstrong did say, and, and maybe I'm reading too much into this. Maybe it was just he didn't say it. But we had talked, I, I think, in the 11 o'clock hour of, you know, when these guys get back, it's going to take a couple days to get them back for conditioning. It almost sounded like, based on Doug Armstrong's comment, he didn't say anything about conditioning. He said they will be, I think Bozak will be back on the 11th. Makes me wonder if he will be just kind of thrust into the line. I'm sure the Blues may want him to come back and get some conditioning in, but because of the circumstance, maybe throw him in a fourth line role, get him just a couple of minutes on the ice, get him back into the flow of it because you need a body on the ice. Yeah, you're paying attention to that 14th game against the Dallas Stars. That would be the first one I'd be looking at because I just don't see both of those guys being able to come back on the 12th, the 14th, uh, and then they get two days off and then they play on the 17th of December against the Dallas Stars once again. So again, all of this being said, I've got some optimism for you, T-Bone. Nice. I, I do think 
The fact that the Blues have had an up and down month of November, yes, it caused for concern because you think that this team could be better. And I say that this team has dealt with injuries. People's response is usually that's just an excuse. Other teams deal with injuries. Here's the thing. And Curbs talked about this last night on pregame and the broadcast. Do you realize that the Blues have been either down a goal, tied, or up by a goal going into the third period in every game this season? Every game this season, they have been within striking distance of their opponents. There has been one game this year that it was a multiple goal loss. It was the game against the Anaheim Ducks. It was a 4-1 final score. And in that game, halfway through the second period was when or halfway through the third period is when Anaheim scored a power play goal to make it 2-1. They then scored another goal to make it 3-1, an empty net goal to make it 4-1. So if there's any sense of optimism, which there should be by a lot of people right now, after what took place against the Florida Panthers last night, the fact that they this Blues team is on a five-game winning streak, the fact that they have now played four consecutive games, four games, that is, hold on, I want to double-check this, one, two, three, four, five, six, six games with 11 forwards and seven defensemen, and you have been able to pull out points in 16 of the 25 games, and in those eight losses in regulation, T-Bone, They've been within one goal. For me, that tells me that this team is in every game, and on top of it, at a full roster, you're looking at a team that probably would be in a much different position than what they're in right now. Yeah, I'm with you. The fact that when you brought that stat up to me when we were back in the office, I was stunned because you don't really think about it. You think of the Blues, and you go, okay, they're kind of in this this clog in the in, not the NL Central, that's baseball, yeah. in, in the Central Division, and you say, okay, they're beat up. Maybe they, they must be losing games, you know, maybe 3-1, 4-1. No, the fact that they're in every game into the third period is a very op, very optimistic sign for this Blues team because, like you said, when they're at full strength, what's that going to mean? They're going to be even better than what they have right now. And that's not a shot against anybody because, like, Logan Brown, for example, a guy that was acquired for Zach Sanford, has been awesome for the St. Louis Blues since he got recalled from the AHL. So the fact that the team is playing really well with all these bodies that are on that are dealing with injuries – that are on the COVID list, it's a very encouraging sign to kind of project forward and imagine what this team will be when they are healthy. Granted, we were doing that at the beginning of the year, hoping that we would see it. We haven't been able to see it really at all this year. The fact that we know that these guys are going to be back in the near future, I would say, is a very encouraging sign to think what this team could do moving forward. Someone just texted and said, are you ruling out the empty net or multiple goal losses? No, hear hear me here. They haven't had multiple goal losses except that loss to the Anaheim Ducks this season, and that was the 4-2 loss. Although, okay, so yes, I am doing this. The the Tampa Bay Lightning game they lost 4-2, that was an empty net goal. But a majority of their goals, the Detroit Red Wings game, an empty net goal. So yes, I am ruling out the, the multiple goal losses with the empty net goals. Other than those empty netters or the shootouts, wherever you're going to look at it, the Blues have been in all of these games. And look at it whatever you way you would like with this, but for me... It proves to me, one, your goaltending has been a rock. Now, they've got a pretty tough challenge ahead of them with Charlie Lindgren playing. And look, don't don't get me wrong here. Lindgren can play. Lindgren had a five-game win streak with the Springfield Thunderbirds before he was recalled under emergency circumstances for the Blues. He's 8-1-1 one, one on the season. The goaltending has taken care of business for you. Bennington and Huso have kept you in games. And despite the players you have been without with, 
the extended period of time with no O'Reilly, with no Buchnevich, with no Brandon Saad, with no Braden Shen, now with no David Perron, you've still found ways to score three goals in those games. So for me, this is a very difficult challenge for the Blues. This is adversity. But I thought Joey said something last night from the player's perspective that really stuck out to me and kind of proved my point with what they did against Florida. You know, this group, they feel like things are still going to be okay. And and, and I really believe them when they say that. You know, Robert Thomas said to me, he said, go back to that 2019 run. We won the Stanley Cup. We had so much adversity in November and December, so much where our head coach loses his job. You know, Pat Maroon's going to get sent down to the minor. I mean, it it, it just kept stacking up. That, that team winning it that year would not have been the team they were without that lull in the year, without that valley, without that kind of disruption. And they're looking at this situation right now as the exact same. You know at some point you're going to have to deal with COVID. Deal with it now. You know at some point you're going to deal with injury. Heck, figure it out right now. That's what this team is doing. Now, now the idea is how do you survive? How do you survive? But think of that. You do your adversity now where other teams have remained healthy, remained off the COVID list. You get this out of the way and you keep your head above water. Despite all of this, you're second place in the Central Division. Uh, For me, and maybe it is because I'm a quote-unquote homer or I'm the pre- and post-game host, however you view it, it gives me a lot of optimism for this Blues team. This is going to be the biggest challenge I think that they will have to face what they did against Florida and tomorrow night against the Detroit Red Wings. Long as they do not... Uh, sink and the floodgates open. Yes. Then it's more than it's because more than they're happened. open. Dallas and Colorado have been winning nonstop. Yeah. So long as the floodgates don't open and things go really south for you, yeah, you should have optimism about this Blues team because they're in the they're in the exact same spot they were last year. Granted, I would argue this year's probably even a little worse because I don't remember seeing this many injuries yeah. and this many COVID this issues is, last year. This is so much worse because I don't think the Blues at any point had to play shorthanded last year. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't remember it. They might have, but. The Blues, if they can just kind of stay afloat and get the bodies back, then they're going to be fine. There's reason to believe that this team is going to take the next step when everybody is healthy. If this team kind of starts to fall apart and they go through what they did last year where it was a what was it, a six, seven-game losing streak, then maybe you start to have some concerns. But even then, it's kind of hard to because of all the guys that are out. We've mentioned it multiple times today. I would argue three of your five top guys coming into the year are on the COVID list or are injured right now and not playing. Braden Shen, maybe another one of those guys that you could throw into that or just on the verge of the top five. He's not 100% right now. So I look at this team, long as the floodgates don't open, you can stay afloat. There's no need to panic, and you continue to have optimism and believe that this team is going to take the next step. And I'll be honest, could potentially win the Central when they are completely healthy. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to find out. By the way, you know how many losing streaks that this Blues team has had this season? I'm going to go with, oh, man, I don't know, one maybe? Three games? Yep, that was it. One game where they lost three games. And you know in those three games that they lost, it was to the Hurricanes, which was a late goal in the third period, the Edmonton Oilers, a late goal in the third period, and the Arizona Coyotes, which was a one-goal loss on home ice. three-two. Three-two. Three-game losing streak. That right there is the optimism for me. He's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Alex Ferrario. Plenty more Blues conversation to get into throughout the day today. 
We will also get to the junk drawer coming up in about 15 minutes or so. But let's get to a little baseball conversation. Should the Cardinals look to get creative this offseason? T-Bone and I were questioning that in the office a little bit earlier. We'll get into that next here on 101 ESPN. They are St. Louis. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. And I'm not I'm not in the camp of you ha- absolutely have to replace Harrison Bader because to me you're playing to your ballpark. I think smart baseball teams play to their ballpark. So when it comes to the Cardinals, I realize that ballpark largely plays four pitchers. So I'm okay with Harrison Bader playing playing most of your your center field for you next year. I'm I'm fine with that. But if I can upgrade with a player that might not be defensively what Bader is, but gives me an upgrade offensively, then I'm at least going so to consider l- that. Let me give- this is an interesting position for the Cardinals. That's Anthony Stalter from the Fast Lane yesterday talking about the Blues. Or the Blues. So much Blues going on right now. The Cardinals trying to get creative this offseason with some of their roster decisions. And look, of course, we're in the middle of a lockout, and uh, more roster moves will take place once the offseason begins. Can we talk about this? Or- can we? Well, you can only talk about like player A, player player B, player C. So player A plays shortstop. Could you consider moving him to second while player B? Okay, just wanted to make sure you're okay with it. No, but look, you have the option to get real creative with your players for this Cardinals team. I'm going under the assumption right now, let's say hypothetically, they don't make any other upgrades to their bats. They stick with their roster and they look at Gorman, Yepes, Newt Bar as their benches slash platoon players, DH if that's there. What's interesting about it is you really can get creative specifically with your infield. Like if you want playing time for Nolan Gorman, get him at second. Tommy Edmond can play shortstop for you. Tommy Edmond could be a good shortstop for you. Could it be great? Probably not. You could keep Tommy Edmond at second base. Heck, we've seen crazier things with Matt Adams play the outfield. Juan Yepes is an infielder. You could see Juan Yepes possibly try a second base position here. I think that might be the way to go for the Cardinals. If they're not going to spend the money on getting a shortstop or a big-time bat, if you're just going to sit here and sign a, pl- a bench player and say, oh, well, we went out there and got Josh Harrison, now we feel good about our offense. I'd rather you get creative and get playing time for those younger players so that they're ready to go sooner. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Find a way to get the young guys involved, too. And and I honestly wouldn't mind seeing the possibility. And I don't know if the Cardinals would ever consider it looking at the possibility of signing. Maybe it's a outfielder. I'll throw out a name for an example, whether it's Michael Conforto, Jack Peterson, Eddie Rosario. Get them more playing time maybe in the left. Then do you get maybe more creative? I heard BT bring this up uh, yesterday. Would you consider getting more creative and moving a two-time gold glover in the left and O'Neal possibly center field and having some another bat in the left to kind of improve the offense? I personally wouldn't do that because I know that there's going to be people that say, oh, Harrison Bader, oh, you got to get him out of the lineup. He's not an everyday guy. He can't hit. If you look at his numbers with his numbers against breaking balls and you look at his overall numbers as a whole, he improved last year and against right-handed pitching. That was the other one, too. He improved against breaking balls, right-handed pitching, and overall looked a lot better last year offensively at the plate. I don't want to mess around with kind of moving pieces around in the outfield because I've got all three guys. Personally, I don't know if I want to consider moving around Tommy Edmond uh, from second base. I think that's his best defensive position. I think even if you have there. Nolan Gorman on the team, if I have Gorman on the team, I'm looking at him as a DH possibility. I know the Cardinals seem to be kind of gung ho on the possibility of having him be an everyday DH. I don't really mind it. If you told me that I could get Gorman as an everyday DH, I could start Edmond at second, 
and Paul DeYoung, Edmundo Sosa is my shortstop, I'm okay with that because I still have a very solid defensive lineup. I don't want to take away from the defense from this team because that is the strength. I get it that we would like to see them add uh, to the offense. The only spot you're going to do that is you're going to do it at shortstop, and if that's Carlos Correa, which I don't think is going to happen, but I know BK seems to be excited about Hey, I'm about with him on this. Both oh, of us sorry. think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Seven years, $210 million. Wow. Get it done. If that happens, I'll get a Correa tattoo. Really? Mark it down. Oh, my God. This needs to happen. I don't know if you could handle a tattoo. Oh, I can handle a tattoo. I think I'll get cry. a big Correa one. It ain't going to be a little small. It'll like cover up half my back. I think you'd cry. Oh, crying is optional. Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. Uh, but I, the two spots, then, if you're going to upgrade the offense and not lose out on defense, is DH and shortstop. But the Cardinals seem to view that DeYoung and Sosa are going to be good enough defensively. So let's just kind of say for right now, you can take that away. The only spot you're going to upgrade the offense then is at that DH spot. Because I, to me, I would love another bat off the bench, like a left-handed hitting outfielder. Even though the Cardinals, it sounds like you Lars Newpar in that role. I don't want to mess around with the defense because that is the strength of this team. That is playing to the ballpark. That's what the Steven Matt signing was about. It wasn't about just getting an innings eaters guy. It was signing a guy that's going to benefit from having a defense like this behind him, Matt fits that category perfectly. Yeah, but see, this is different for me, and I think if you have the opportunity to upgrade your offense and this is how you only can upgrade it by getting creative, you have to do it because that's still a weakness in my opinion. I get you have Arenado and O'Neal and Goldschmidt, and you started to see signs of positivity with Dylan Carlson and a couple of other players, but your weakness is still offense. It's still part of the reason that you barely made the playoffs because of it, and... It's not like you're sitting here and you're trying to think of a good comp here. It's not like you're going from, I don't know, Trevor Story to Brendan Ryan here. Like, you're not going from one tier to a very slow second tier. If Harrison Bader's not my center fielder, I know some people don't believe it. I'd be fine with Tyler O'Neill in center field. I'd be fine with Dylan Carlson in center field. Are you going to have a drop-off? Probably, but I don't think it's going to be as significant as you think it would be if you took them out and put Lars Newtbar in center field or Justin Williams in center field. And the same can be said for the infield. My corners are set. Like, I signed the pitcher that I did because I know my outfield and the corners are set. The middle infield, in my opinion, Tommy Edmond is a gold glover. Could be a cold glover at second base. Shortstop, Paul DeYoung, Tom, uh, Edmundo Sosa, okay. But again, if I'm just switching Tommy Edmund to short and Nolan Gorman to second base, I don't know if that's a, as significant of a drop-off for me as long as I know the offense is going to take that bigger step forward. Yeah, I I would understand if they did it. I just want to keep the main defensive guys out there for as much as possible. And to me, that's where if you're going to get the impact bat, it's going to be that DH type. That's where we bring in the conversation of, Kyle Schwarber, do you sign him for three years, $60 million? I don't know if the Cardinals would do it. It'll be interesting to see if his market comes down, would they consider it? To me, that's the only spot that they're going to upgrade the impact bat. I, I've given up on the shortstop hole, even though I believe that that is the number one hole for the Cardinals, and they can kind of answer, they can kind of kill two birds with one stone by signing a shortstop, gets the impact bat, but also improves that position. So I, I would understand if they did it. I just don't know if... In my opinion, it's worth going so. And, and towards your point, towards Tyler O'Neill in center field, I think it's pretty obvious the Cardinals are not pretty obvious, but it seems like the Cardinals don't want to put him in center field. Because remember, when yeah. Harrison Bader went down, they said that Dylan Carlson's the guy, Tommy Emmons, the backup center fielder. 
So but I, was I think that that's a Mike Schilt decision because think, Mike didn't want to take him on a left. I think that's a Cardinals organization decision. I, I think that's everybody saying, okay, our numbers show he's better than left. Can he please play center? Yeah, but we've also got Tommy Emmon. We can put him in center field. We think he maybe projects better. I, I think that the Cardinals need to stick with what they have in terms of the defense. DeYoung and, short, DeYoung and Sosa at short. Keep Edmund at second base. And if over time he goes cold, then you can maybe look through that Nolan Gorman possibility. And then that upgrade is going to come with the impact bat at DH. On the offensive side of this thing, what do you think's the bigger need? Is it just getting a big-time bat to boost your top five of your order? Or is it getting a bat that could be a leadoff hitter for you? And maybe maybe they're tied together. Like Kyle Schwarber, I think, could be in that spot. But all of the other options out there, at least on the big money that fans want, are middle-of-the-order bats. And if that's the case, I know we've talked about Paul Goldschmidt, Harrison Bader with splits, Tommy Edmond, Dylan Carlson. But part of me wonders if the leadoff hitter is the more important thing for the Cardinals right now. I think it depends on how the Cardinals, who the Cardinals view as that guy that could be the leadoff guy. Because there haven't been any rumblings of them saying, yeah, we need to. I, actually, no, I guess it's not true. I think Mo said something at the winter meetings or the GM meetings of something along the lines of, yeah, we need to find an, a uh, leadoff hitter or an on-base guy as well. What I wonder if that is, is I wonder if it is, okay, can we find him internally first? Tommy Edmond? You know, I like Tommy Emmett at the top of the order because he gets on, he doesn't get on base. He gets a lot of doubles. If he can um, improve the on base percentage, it would be better. Harrison Bader started to swing better against right handed pitching. If he can become less of a splits guy, then he's the perfect guy to have at the top of the order. Or it could be like you said, maybe you kind of combine it in a signing like a Kyle Schwarber, guy that can mash but also can hit at the top of the order. I also wouldn't mind it if you wanted, and I know a lot of people don't want me to say this because, oh, he's a, he's a two-hole hitter. He's a traditional three-hole hitter. Paul Goldschmidt could be a guy that could be considered as a leadoff hitter, in my opinion. I don't know if the Cardinals would actually do it, but he gets on base at a high clip, and I understand he's more of a probably three-hole guy who you want coming up with guys on base. But if you want someone to set the table, Paul Goldschmidt might be the guy to consider as well. See, this is the part that gets me. And From the 208 on our Air Comfort Service text line at 65780, I think a Brad Miller bench bat reunion would make sense. It makes sense, but if you were to find out that Steven Matz, big-time bullpen pitcher, and Brad Miller were the options, the signings this offseason. Just say Joe Kelly for the reliever. So Joe Kelly, Steven Matz, and Brad Miller. Would you really look at that offseason as a win for the Cardinals? I would view it as a success. I don't know if it's a complete win. Like If we were grading it, I always like to look at it on the grading scale. That's probably a B-plus for me. Because to me, you didn't you didn't get the impact bat. You did solidify the bench, which I'll be honest. I, I said this earlier in the offseason. You have to look at some—I'm okay with giving the kids a run on the bench because we saw Newpar. He provided a spark. We don't know what we have in Yepes. We don't know what we have in Gorman. Uh, Brendan Donovan's another name to keep an eye on heading into this season. I look at the Cardinals' bench— and I got to say, okay, we got to get someone that can at least hit off of it because but, last year you had nothing. I mean, nothing until Jose Rondon provided a little bit of a spark, but you non-tendered him. But don't, but don't, aren't you blocking those players then if you go out and sign a Brad Miller? Because Brad Miller is going to be your backup infielder. He's going to be Probably. your DH. That, that's what you have to decide. So, though. but if I'm going to block my younger players, I'm going to block them with a bat that's going to be crucial to my lineup rather than a bat that's just, oh well, he's good sometimes and then bad others. Yeah, I understand. I understand that, and I can agree with that as well. Because I don't know if you really—it it all comes down to how the Cardinals view these guys, and that's kind of the unknown right now. They put Juan Yepes on the uh, playoff roster for the wild card game, which would have been his first career major league at bat. So they must view him highly enough to where 
I expect him to kind of have maybe not an everyday role, but at least get a high number of at bats heading into this season. It's very. I'm very curious to see how they approach this because if they did say, okay, we need a, we want to get a bench bat like a Brad Miller, I would understand that. I would agree with it, and I wouldn't push back against it. I still think you would need a bigger impact bat, but I do think a bench bat would help you. Hey, you can join in the holiday spirit by donating to this year's Carriker and Smallman 12 Days of T-Shirts fundraiser supporting Operation Food Search. Donate at least $25 online between now and December 13th, and you'll receive a complimentary 101 ESPN T-shirt, a koozie, and sticker as a gift for your donation. You score a free 101 shirt, koozie, and sticker, and your $25 donations help Operation Food Search serve the metro area during this critical time of the year. Thanks to our presenting sponsors of this year's 12 Days of T-Shirts campaign, American Standard Heating and Cooling Contractors, and McBride Homes. And a special thank you to Allstate agent Tracy Bibb for making a donation match of $500 to the 12 Days of T-Shirts fundraiser. Find all the details on this year's 12 Days of T-Shirts fundraiser now at 101 ESPN. Coming up in about 10 minutes or so, the Blues have some news going on around this roster. And on top of it, do you trust the leaders to keep this thing together? We'll get to that. But coming up next, we got the junk drawer here on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. The junk drawer with BK and Ferrario. into some Blues conversation coming up in about 10 minutes or so as the Blues had a whirlwind of a day after their victory against the Panthers last night. A lot of roster moves, a lot of injury updates. We'll get into that in about 10 minutes or so. And can the leadership take over for this St. Louis Blues team and right in this uh, in the middle of this um, catastrophe, I guess it's probably terrible phrase to use there but we'll go with it here chris kerb is going to join us at 1 30 as well i need to shut up t-bone what do you got in our junk drawer today all right so remember yesterday we had the ferrario five the five bowl games to watch how can i forget the ferrario five yeah so, so many of them and we had like the jimmy kimmel bowl and bowls good, that we're not even one. we're not even sure what the name of the sponsor is and one of my goals in life is to get a bowl game named after me i found another goal in life that i have more than a bull named after you? No, the bull's probably number one. This will probably sit behind it, mostly because okay. I probably will never accomplish the bull game one. <laughs> but I've always wanted to learn guitar, okay? It's pretty simple. You just go to a guitar place and yeah, but I'm take not, lessons. I'm not very good with like, the like strings have, and all that. It's not like you don't have a lot of time on your hands. Oh, yeah, because all I have is time on my hands. But <laughs> What else do you speaking do? Speaking of hands, there's a guitarist. <laughs> How about that transition? Nice, nice. There's a guitarist that... Took on a challenge of playing Inner Sandman. Boom, 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 boom. Know what Inner Sandman you know, I'm just making sure. is? Do you know who sings it? Metallica. Okay, just making sure. That's what the article said. No idea. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> he was able to play the beat Inner Sandman, and each time he did it, he put on another layer of gloves, and he continued to do it, and continued to do it, continued to do it. He got up to 19 layers of gloves on playing Inner Sandman. Doesn't say it's a record. To me, it has. Is it to be. an acoustic or an electric guitar? Uh, it looks electric, based on what I've seen. No, I don't know. I don't. I'm not a guitar player, so I don't know if there's a massive difference in between those two. That's impressive. I, I think I could beat that though. Nineteen gloves. Once I learn, you don't learn. even know how to play, and you think you could no, beat no, that? No, once I learn. Oh, that's once the thing. you learn. Once I learn, mm. I feel like I could. You got tiny hands, man. I don't know. I think that benefits me. No, I don't think so. What? I think tiny hands, more gloves make your hands smaller. If you have a huge hand, the more gloves you put on, the smaller it gets. But if it's huge, you could still make it work. Your tiny hands, it's going to turn into like little baby mittens. 
Are my hands that much smaller than yours? They, they look pretty tiny, right? Or does T-Bone's hands look tiny? No, he's nodding his head. He's not even listening. No, he's not listening to us. Hey, you got tiny hands with but this But this is like right behind getting a bowl game named after me. Hold on. Getting a bowl named after you is number one. Number one. But number two is playing a guitar with nine, with 20 gloves on your hand? Yeah. Wow. You got, uh, you got well, big goals in life. It's kind of a little bit of a mixture, learning guitars in that process. You know what my goal in life is? To be driving down the... That's true. You don't really want to know. To be driving down the highway... Okay. And a bag of a million dollars just breaks open and starts blowing out. Well, it's more likely I'm going to have a bowl game named after me than that. Occurred. Very doubtful. But this happened in California, apparently, on an Interstate 5 Friday morning in San Diego. A bag of a million dollars. It was a dollars, $1 and $20 bills. It broke open. Well, it was several bags. Broke open, and they started blowing all over the lanes on the freeway in, like, Everyone slams on their brakes, starts swerving. I can only imagine this is like out of the scene of Mission Impossible, where cars are just colliding with each other and Tom Cruise is running in between, dodging each one. That's what this one would come to. But you know what? I would risk my life just to jump out and start. Really? Just to start raking in those $20. Yeah, but how much do you think you could really collect? Oh, man. Have you ever done one of those money things where you stand in it and the money blows up? No, but isn't it very hard? No. Totally not. My wife. Really? So my wife and I did it when we were getting married. We went to one of those um, those wedding. I don't know what they're called, but basically like they have a bunch of wedding, just different shops set up to where you can sit down and and enter for different things. And they had a, a, they had one of those money machines where you basically caught as much as you had. And however much you had, it went towards what you were purchasing. So, like, if you want one hundred dollars, it's one hundred dollars off of your DJ at this place. So my wife went in. She was not good at it. Love you, but she was not good at it. She just kind of stood there and moved her arms. What you got to do is you got to lick T-Rex your... T-Rex it? Yeah, T-Rex armed You got to lick your hands. You got to palm them with your wet hands. There's no way that Yeah, and once you get them, you start shoving them in your shirt so you can hold on to it. I won like 300 bucks in that. I don't know if I'd be... In that scenario where it's just money falling out of a car and I'm stopping on it. What'd you say? A highway or an interstate? Yeah, highway. Yeah, I'm not risking it. I'll, oh, yeah, I'll I'm take my chances later. No. Swerve to because the left it's not, lane. It's not like I'm collecting a million dollars. I'm probably going to walk away with like 300 like you're saying. Oh, and look, you can't use $300? $300 for this guy is a, a lot, but you, you, not worth it to be you, playing you, Frogger across the hall, whatever across way, the highway. Whatever part of the highway you're on, you stop. Well, here's the thing. The people in the middle of the highway aren't going to get it. They're going to the ones that get the crash. You get on the sides, you pull off, and you wait for Everybody's them to crash. Stopping, yeah, but once there's a pileup, then you don't got to worry about more cars coming in. The pileup will stop back there. That pileup's worried about the accident. You run in and grab all the money. Nah, I, I don't see it being worth oh, it. Man, it's like playing Frogger across the hallway. That, or hallway. Across the highway. That ain't, I'm not in for that. Someone said the clip for the end of the show needs to be, quote, if it's huge, you can still make it work. We can grab that. We'll probably get that one for you. He's Tanner Hendricks and I'm Alex Ferrario. Tons going on. a t-shirt. That is a t-shirt. 101 ESPN, BK and Ferrario, along with T-Bone. If it's huge, it'll make it work. Blues are trying to make things work. They have a huge amount of injuries. We'll touch on that coming up next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to more of it. It's BK and Ferrario, live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Uh, but because of the rules, we got another injury. We have to play short again tomorrow. Uh, and then if we have no injuries, we can be back to full strength on, on Saturday. So uh, as of now, it looks like we have to play short again tomorrow uh, because of the way the, the CBA is written. 
Uh, Yikes. Doug Armstrong, president of hockey operations for the Blues, addressing the media today. It was a optional skate. They only had about five or six players that were on the ice today after a grueling victory. The Blues pulled out. They were wrapped in bubble wrap. They were all wrapped in bubble wrap. The amount of blocked shots they had in that hockey game, the amount of body checks that they took in that game, it was a matter of if not when the Blues were going to give themselves an optional skate. And that's just kind of what you go through right now. But Doug Armstrong, I mean, frankly, talking about this team that's in a bad spot right now with more players out due to injury. Jake Wallman and Ville Husso, they both left a game on last night against the Panthers in the third period. Both are unavailable for tomorrow's game as they're getting reevaluated. Doug Armstrong said you'll get an update on those injuries um, Friday. So with them not being available, the Blues, they had the opportunity to call up Nathan Walker because of the Robert Thomas injury. But as you heard Doug mention there, there could not be any more emergency call-ups until they play tomorrow's game shorthanded. So in that sense, they can't call up another goaltender. I know a lot of people are asking about Joel Hofer, but the signing bonuses, you can't bring him up. So it was either sign somebody or have an emergency backup goaltender. The Blues opted to go with John Gillies, who was on their taxi squad last year. That's not the frustrating part. The frustrating part is the emergency call-up rules and not being able to bring in another forward as they're going to have to play shorthanded again. Here's Doug Armstrong. Obviously, I find it strange the way it's written that you we, we played short last night. Uh, they allowed us to bring up a guy so we don't have to play short two games in a row, but because another guy got hurt, we can't recall two guys. It's So we could actually – so let's say somebody gets hurt, we'll have to play short. We'll have to play short until we go through a game where someone doesn't get hurt. So essentially, that's what we're looking at right now. You got to go through an entire hockey game with nobody getting hurt, nobody leaving the game and being unable to play in the next game for you to sit there and say, okay, now we have a full roster. Because for tomorrow night's game, it looks like they'll have 11 forwards and six defensemen with no Jake Wallman. And a lot of people are asking about John Gillies, a 27-year-old goaltender who's been notoriously in the American Hockey League. He's played 12 games in the NHL. His last game in the NHL was the 2017-18 season against the Calgary Flames. This year, he has played five games between the East Coast Hockey League and the American Hockey League. He played five games for the Blues minor league affiliate. Utica Comets last year was on their taxi squad. Here's the thing, T-Bone. You're going to see both of these guys at some point this week. If Ville Husso, unless Ville Husso's reevaluation comes back where he was just dinged up and he's able to play on Saturday... You're going to see Charlie Lindgren play tomorrow, my assumption. And Charlie Lindgren is actually pretty decent, at least in the American Hockey League. He had a good start to the year in the NHL, um, and then his last couple of years with Montreal have struggled, but so have the Montreal Canadiens. You're going to have Charlie Lindgren start Thursday, and then you got back-to-back Saturday-Sunday. And Doug Armstrong said the hope is Jordan Bennington is available to come back early next week. You're going with two AHL goaltenders against Detroit, Anaheim, and Montreal. This is going to be a tough path for the Blues. This is one of those moments that we talked about, you keep your head above water. But what's interesting is, I think this puts a lot of pressure on the defense and forward groups in front of them to not make those mistakes that we have been seeing them make. Yeah, I'm with you, and and I'm glad you brought that up because that's what I was going to go to is, it's not like this is just going to be on Lindgren and uh, no. Gillies, or if Hofer ends up getting somehow being able to get called up at some point on him either. This is going to be a part of, they have to play well when when they're called upon, 
but you also have to see the defense. Uh, be sure they're they're getting the puck out of the zone. You got to cut down on turnovers. You can't be taking as many penalties because you don't want to be going on the penalty kill. Uh, you have to. Uh, you can't be puck watching. You got to be strong in front of your own net. It's going to come down to the defense defenseman playing well, getting your top guys like Pareko, who we've talked about. Hasn't been right for some reason this year. He's going to have to take a step forward. And he was already going to have to do that with with uh, the Bennington being out with COVID because of Huso. But Huso had played really well in front of the team. And it's also going to come down to the forwards as well. You're going to have to uh, come back on the back check. All the forwards are going to have to be back and helping defensively. And then you're going to have to start winning. You're going to have to be a little bit better in five-on-five play, which is tough because you're shorthanded. But you're going to have to play that way as the St. Louis Blues. You're going to have to be aggressive, try and get as many opportunities as you can in the O-zone instead of tr- sitting back. You have to remain aggressive if you're the St. Louis Blues because this is going to be a very tough stretch with two, as you said, two AHL goalies. And I have confidence that, Lynn, uh, that they will play well. I'm glad you got confidence because I'm, I'm getting a little, the jersey, man. I'm a little concerned with Charlie I'll Lindgren, but too. look, I mean, at the end of the day, he's your guy right now. He made some saves for you, and uh, he was talking with the media a little bit ago and said his goal was just to win that game for Villejuso. So you'll see Charlie Lindgren in that matchup on Thursday. And, and here's the thing: you got to keep things simple. Craig Brewey has talked about this. You just you got to make simple plays with the puck on your stick in games like this. And I thought the Blues did a really good job with it. What you can't have happen is what happened in the first period last night. You you can't allow your goaltender in Charlie Lindgren, who hasn't played in the NHL since 2020, you can't allow him to have to see 20 shots on goal. You're going to have to have a fast start, and you're going to have to see a lot more sacrifices in your own zone with blocked shots and getting in front of those so that you can protect the goalie at all costs. Not saying that you have to protect him because he can't make saves, because I think he will be good for you. But you're going to to see the Blues take their game to another level, and you can't have those one periods that drop off, which is why you do look at the defensive unit more than anything because those turnovers in your own zone, those those pucks' inability to clear your own zone, that's what has bitten this team in the past so much. Yeah, and allowing for those more opportunities. Because of the turnovers, you lead to more shots, and they... And I think we talked about this in the office a little bit. You can't be taking a lot of penalties either because the penalty kills... I think it was like 20th in the NHL. Yeah, you were twenty. You were 19th going into the game last night, although you had your best game in a while on the penalty kill, stopping all five power play opportunities. Yeah, and that, and I think we mentioned it. That's what kind of led to Florida having such a one-sided period because they had three power plays. They had 20 to five shots. You have right. to be able to avoid that against these guys. I'm with you. It's not like they can't make a save. It's not like we're just putting up like a statue back there that can't move. No, these guys will be able to make saves, but they are – Guys that have been in the AHL because they weren't ready for the NHL or they have struggled at the NHL level. So you have to be able to protect them just a little bit more. You have to step up a little bit more in front of them. And who knows, maybe you get performances like we saw from Huso. Remember when Biddington went out, it was, oh, is Huso ready for this role? Huso said, yeah, I'm ready. I'm a legitimate number two goalie here in this league. Maybe these guys can provide a good problem for the Blues to have. Of Oh, hey, Charlie Lindgren, he is a guy that could be up in the NHL. And look, you know, talking with Ryan Smith, the play-by-play guy uh, for the Springfield Thunderbirds, he said that Lindgren has been the MVP of that team with the exception of Scott Perunovic. A 925 save percentage in 10 games for Springfield, a 2.16 goals against. In his last couple of seasons in the AHL, he's actually been very solid for the teams. It's the NHL level. The last time he played was the 1920 season with Montreal. Six games, an 88 save percentage. But again, taking into consideration the team he had in front of him. The team, if the team's not 100% solid in front of their own net, 
well, then the goaltender is going to struggle, which is why I think you come into this with a little bit of concern for the way that the Blues have been playing. The goalies have robbed a couple of those games uh, for the effort in front of their own net. The other thing we're getting on the text line about this is the LTIR scenario. Because of the cap space, because the inability to call players up, fans are looking at this saying, well, why don't you do this? James Neal and Clem Costner are already on LTIR. Falk, Bennington, and Bozak can't go on LTIR because they're on the COVID protocol list. They're off after 10 days. It's the other two two guys that are that are questionable if you put them on LTIR. Robert Thomas and David Perron. Robert Thomas is day-to-day, according to Craig Berube, and he said it's something that he just has to rest. That doesn't sound like something that says he's going to be out for 24 days. Remember, if you're placed on LTIR, you're out 10 games and 24 days. You have to miss both. Like James Neal and Clem Costin have missed 10 days or 10 games. They haven't missed 24 games or days though. So with Thomas, you don't want to chance that. If he's only got to miss about a week, why would you do that to him? The other one is David Perron. David Perron has been out since November 26th, that game against the Chicago Blackhawks. Time and time again, Craig Berube, Doug Armstrong has said he's day-to-day. They said he's been at the rink. He's worked on the bikes. He's worked in the gym, done a little skating. And a lot of people are saying, why not put Perron on LTIR to open up that cap space? Here's why. Yeah, like if, if we get if we get closer to it, uh, uh, but right now, our, our yeah, to... to to guarantee he has to miss 10 games is, is too big of a stretch to to get a, to get pull somebody up for for this situation. He's so, too valuable, yes. So think about this. For David Perron, you, you could go retroactive to November 26th when he was injured against the Blackhawks and say, okay, well, we'll do it to this. That would take you to December 20th. And I understand if it is a concussion, an upper body injury, you don't know how long he can be out. But for David Perron, are you going to chance him – maybe having to miss three more games and could come back next week, say the 14th against the stars. Are you going to chance that so that you can call up Mackenzie McEachern? For me, I'm not going to, for me, I'd rather play a game shorthanded. Hope you get through it healthy, call somebody up in an emergency situation and hope that this day to day gets me to the point where I say, okay, David Perron can come back. And if guess what, if he, if he can't and you get to the 20th, then put him on LTIR. Because it's retroactive, he can come off whenever he's ready. Yeah, I, I'm with you. If you're the Blues, and they, the Blues must feel like he's going to be back before that uh, 10 games or 24 days, because otherwise they would have done this move right away. Because remember when the, I think it was James, maybe Clem Costin, I think it was both Clem Costin and James Neal, when both guys they got hurt, time, yeah. it was pretty much immediately, too, when they put them on. There was no real delay. They got put on IR very quickly. So the Blues must have some sort of medical report that they're getting that says, okay, it's just going to be a couple more games. Well, and think if that's about the Braden case, Shen. Braden Shen, with the injury that he had, they said it's day-to-day right now, and he was out for eight games. Yeah, so but so if you're the Blues, I'm with Doug Armstrong. He's too valuable to put on LTIR if you believe he's going to be back in the next couple of games. Based on the way he talked uh, to the media bef- uh, about an hour or so ago, I wouldn't expect Perron this weekend, just kind of reading yeah. between the lines. Some point next week is when I would expect it. And you said he can't come back till the 20th. Well, if I can get him two more games two in games. because of I waited and yeah. had to suffer the shorthanded game, yeah, it's absolutely worth it because David Perron, when he's right, and he ha- he has had a little bit of struggles this year, but when he's right, he's one of the best players on this Blues team. It makes such a big difference for you. Yeah, think about that. If I can get Perron back on the 14th against the Stars and have to suffer for three more games, I'll take that because my team has shown the ability to pick up points and fight in those games 
I don't want to put a guy on LTIR and have to miss three more games because of it. And, and that's a good point, too, because your team has shown a willingness to fight. They got five of eight points against two games against the Lightning, two games against the Panthers. If we were talking about a team that was on like a five-game losing streak and they haven't looked very competitive and they're really struggling, they need another body, then sure, then it becomes a different conversation. Maybe you consider it because you just have to try staying afloat. The team has stayed afloat with Perron out and all these other injuries and been fighting through it. If you believe you're going to get him back some point early next week, then yeah, I think it's worth trying to take the risk. That way you don't lose out on the potentially two game, two more games of David Perron. He's Tanner Hendricks and I'm Alex Ferrario. In about 15 minutes, we'll chat with Chris Kerber, voice of the Blues, for our weekly hit. But coming up next, get your texts into Air Comfort Service text line 65780. It's more likely to happen next on BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. This is exactly where you want to be listening to us. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. What's more likely to happen? They'll figure it out. BK and Ferrario's most likely to happen. How's that? I was really wondering if you were going to do that. And well, you know, I figured you're hosting. I'm so glad you did. Someone, should, someone else should do someone it. Someone should sing it there? Yeah. You know, the excitement's gone now, though, because BK's gone. What? what? Who said like, that? I can't get excited with my singing. Although that's, someone misses him already. Of, Should I send this us. text to BK or do we think this is BK? Troll or text? I miss BK. All Ferrario does is talk blues. That's a 314 number. That's BK. That's BK. BK already texted. Sorry, BK. It's a lot of blue stuff going on right now. Yeah, Guys are getting we're, signed. We're breaking. Guys okay? are getting injured. Yeah, give us the breaking news sounder. Breaking news. Yeah, if you haven't heard, John Gilly signed a one-year two-way contract. Nathan Stop. Walker recalled. Wallman and Huso not available for tomorrow's game against the Detroit Red Wings. Blues playing short a man. But everything else is fine. Blues are still in second place. Send the text over to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. More likely to happen. You send the scenarios and T-Bone and I will tell you which one is more likely to happen. T-Bone, let's start with this one. More likely to happen. Harrison Bader becomes a leadoff hitter or Paul DeYoung at some point this season goes back to being the everyday shortstop for the Cardinals. Bader, leadoff hitter. DeYoung, Everyday shortstop. Ah, oh, boy. Well, see, I feel like DeYoung's going to start off as the everyday shortstop. Just don't know if he'll keep it throughout the year. I, I think I will go more likely Harrison Bader will be the consistent leadoff hitter for the Cardinals. And I know that's going to get the text line riled oh, up. Oh, yeah. But Here we go. He hit right. His If you look at his numbers, he seems to be adjusting, making improvements against right-handed pitching, breaking balls, and overall as a whole, he looks better at the plate and more comfortable. I'm not saying that he's going to hit 300 for you, but if he can just continue to make slight improvements against right-handed pitching, he could be a guy that you could see consistently at the top of the lineup for the Cardinals, and you put in his speed. he It could be a dangerous guy to put up at the top of the Cardinals uh, order. I'm going to say it's more likely that Paul DeYoung is an everyday shortstop. You're just a Harrison Bader hater. No, I'm not a Harrison Bader. I'm not a hater. Come on, you get it, right? Hater, hate, Bader. Come on, you got it. I got it. it. I'm not a hater. No, I just, I think that the Cardinals, I I believe they're going to go into the season with Edmundo Sosa getting the opportunity, but I don't know if Sosa is going to be able to continue what he did. And I think at that point, they're not signing another shortstop. They're going to go straight into Paul DeYoung as their everyday shortstop. So I'm going to say it's more likely that Paul DeYoung is going to get that 
at some point this season. Air Comfort Service text line 65780. More likely to happen. Boys, more likely to happen. Logan Brown gets an extended stay with the Blues for the rest of this season or he gets sent back down to the minors when everyone's back to full health. Mm, That's a tough one. I'll start this one off. I don't know what the rule is on the emergency call-up because remember, he is an emergency call-up player rather than them bringing him up from the American Hockey League. So when everyone's back to health, I don't know if they have to send him back down. But if that's the case, I wouldn't be surprised if they send him down and pull the old switcheroo and then go back at it again where they'll put Clem Costin down to the minors and bring up Logan Brown. And here's why. One, Logan Brown has been really good for this team. Craig Berube trusts him enough to put him in a third-line role, give him some bigger minutes, play the power play, and he has succeeded in all of those. Clem Costin is going to be missing at the minimum 24 days. That's a lot of hockey to miss. He's got a two-way contract. He was playing a fourth-line role here. I think it's more likely Logan Brown stays, and they tell Clem, look, you've been out for a while. Go down. Go be a number one winger for us, and we'll get you back up here sooner or later. Would it be one of those, uh, I can't remember what it's called. I saw the Stars did this with Bishop. Uh, Oh, yeah, the conditioning. uh, conditioning. Yeah, Yeah. it could be a conditioning stint, basically. This is tough because I love, I've kind of fallen for Logan Brown. I'm getting a jersey for sure. Uh, (laughs) I... I think it's more likely that he will have an extended stay with the Blues because he's playing really well. Again, that could change. If he goes on a bit of a cold stretch, it could be what you said where they call up Clem Cosson. If they, they could send Clem Cosson back down when he's uh, back. I don't know if there's any other move they could really make at could, this time. They could send James Neal down and try and hope he doesn't get claimed off of waivers. Could. That's another the problem. That, that with, one might be more likely. The problem likely with then. waivers is, though, is look at what's going on right now. I don't know if you want to lose a player through waivers. And I, James Neal played well for the team. Is he great? No, but he's a fourth liner. And somebody might pick him up for cheap. Yeah, I, I think it is more likely, though. I don't know how they would find a way to do it. Maybe it is cost. Maybe it is Neal. But Logan Brown's been really good in the three, four games he's played for him. As you mentioned, he was on the power play for a while last night. He just has confidence. I heard his dad speaking on Valley Sports yeah. for the West last night saying he's got this kind of renowned confidence in him. So I, I think it's more likely he'll stay with the team because I think he could have, bring a little bit of an impact for them. Look, when 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 people comp you when you're drafted to Joe Thornton, who's a sure-to-be Hall of Famer, yeah, you're going you to get... need to live up to that. You're going to get up to a, an NHL level here. Uh, more likely to happen, 65780. Top three blue scorers currently, Saad, Buchnevich, and Kairou. Which one of those three is more likely to finish the year leading the team in goals? Wait, give me those three again. Saad, Buchnevich, and Kairou. Saad has 11, Buchnevich has 10, and I believe Jordan Kairou has 10 on the year as well. Or no, he has nine. I think it's more likely of those three, it would be Jordan Kairou. Uh, really? Yeah. I, Buchnevich... I think he'll be up there. I just don't know if he'll be the top guy. With Kairou's speed, we see he's such a difference maker. I think he hit the post last night. Or no, mm-hmm. he had a breakaway. Yeah, break, he hit the post on the breakaway. Yeah, so he's such a difference maker. With his speed, his shot looks really good. He's been kind of that guy that we've talked about, him and Thomas, of they're kind of the put someone on a line with them and you can hopefully get them right and get them going again. So I think is going to be the guy that would lead among those three. I just, you know me. I'm super high yeah, on Jordan Cairo. So much so that he's going to be better than Vladimir Tarasenko. Which you know what? doesn't sound as bad yeah, anymore. You might not be as crazy as we thought you were. I'm actually going to say this is going to be Pavel Buchnevich. Really? He's, he's been everywhere, man. 
Like, he was playing last night on the top line. And I understand the top line is because you have 10 forwards. Say, had... But they obviously trust him enough to put him on the right side in David Perron's spot and play him with O'Reilly and Saad. And the, the line that needs to be together, which it's so hard to do because of the amount of players you have, but the line that needs to be together is Barbashev, Tarasenko, and Buchnevich. They obviously have chemistry when they are together. They score goals. And by the way, I came up with a great nickname for him oh, last night. No. You want to hear what it is? No. It was the Barbasenkovich line. That is, that is bad. That was a great one. Barbasenkovich? You like that one right here? No, I got another one. Tereshevich? Tereshevich is good, right? That's better. That's a good one. Or you could do the Buchenkchev. No. No, the first one? Tereshevich? Okay. From now, from henceforward, it is named the Tereshevich line. They have been, uh, what is it called when you do the sword over You've been shoulder? dubbed. Is that what it's that, called? No, knighted. 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 Yeah, they have been knighted. Sir Tereshevich line. Okay, let's move on here. I think it's Bobo Buchnevich. More likely to happen. I like this one. Bader buzzes his head or O'Neal gets a dad bod. What? (laughs) More likely to happen. Harrison Bader buzzes his head or O'Neal gets a dad bod. There's no shot O'Neal gets a dad bod. There's no shot that Bader shaves that flow. I got to go with the flow, though. Yeah. You're telling me that yeah, Tyler O'Neill is going to get a dad yeah. bod? That's the only one you could go with in this because Tyler O'Neill is in the gym way, way. And his his dad was Mr. Canada at one point. So, so it's, like, it's, it's like, kind of in his family genes. It's impossible for him to not have a good body. Yeah. That sounded weird to say. <laughs> can we not <laughs> end of, the show with that one? Uh, I, I think I guess it's more likely Bader gets the yeah. buzz. I don't think I, that's ever going to happen. Did he have short hair, though, in the past, though, for the Cardinals, or no? I don't think so. Maybe. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm when he was like a rookie. really young. Maybe when he. Yeah, I think he did, though. I think I've seen pictures of him with short hair. I'll have to look. Uh, more likely to happen. The NHL updates their CBA for cap relief or Major League Baseball gets a CBA. Oh, my God. Both of these seem very <laughs> unlikely to happen at this point. Uh, which one will come first? I mean, this is like asking which came first, the chicken or the egg. Yeah. Never going to happen. This shows you how bad a spot we are in with baseball. I think it's more likely the NHL will grant cap relief first because I think when we get to – Christmas break, kind of, or right around that Olympic break, they'll say, okay, look at what's been going on. I, I think it's time we get back to the negotiation ta- negotiating table. Real quick, let's just hammer out something. Here's what we're going to do. We'll provide a little bit of cap relief for, let's say, $5 million. You're over on COVID with COVID guys. There we go. So I think it's more likely they'll do that. Baseball, I, I haven't even seen reports. I don't know if I should feel that that's good or bad. I, I think we're giving baseball too much benefit of the doubt to even think that they're not even going to miss any games. So yeah, I, I think it's more like the NHL will give cap relief. See, I, I think it's the other way around. I think baseball's going to get a CBA. I, I don't I don't think they're going to rehash that CBA in the NHL until after this season when the general managers and owners make too much of a complaint. Although you know what, I mean they already adjusted it once. They, I was gonna say, it they was, changed it the COVID. cap relief. It no, was kind it was of the protocols. COVID protocol to where if they were asymptomatic or had minor symptoms and they got three consecutive negative tests, they'd come out of it. So I guess I am going to go with, with NHL changing it. Like some of these GMs have massive pull in the National Hockey League. And if, if a guy like Doug Armstrong is coming to the NHL and saying how ridiculous all of this is, you know that they're going to make some type of difference with this. So I'll say the NHL changes things. Yeah, uh, we got to get you. we got to get Chris Kerber, but this is the last one we'll do. More likely to happen: Tanner goes to Taco Bell for dinner. Or Tanner goes to Chipotle for dinner. Oh, Taco Bell! Did for you sure. text this in yourself and just no. try and help me decide for you? No, I am deciding what I'm going to have for dinner though tonight. Taco Bell. I was going to have some uh, 
Jalapeno cheddar brats. Forgot to call them out, though. What did you just call me? Jalapeno cheddar brats. Oh, my gosh. That's probably six-day-old sitting in boiled it's water, not, wasn't it? It's not. They're frozen. It's they all you do, T-Bone. He's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Alex Ferrario. Appreciate the text on the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, coming up next here on 101 ESPN. They are St. Louis. It's BK and Ferrario, live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Catch up with Chris Kerber. We'll see if we get a hold of him at some point. But don't forget, we got curves, and we got a lot of curves. So tomorrow, he and Joey are on the call, and then he and I are at OB Clark's for extended post game coverage. Friday, Curbs is joining me at Centene, filling in for BK. So it'll be me and Chris Kerber on Friday. Thursday will be me and Jeremy Rutherford with Tanner Hendricks. And, of course, T-Bone's there Friday, too. He's just T-Bone not invited to Centene. Yeah, T-Bone gets traveled. It's too much Bud Light in there. They just don't trust you with all of it. Might be a most wanted sign, too. Probably. And then on Saturday, you Pretty can join times. Chris Kerber from 1 to 3 o'clock for the release party of Curbside Select at Randall's Wines and Spirits. It's located at 14201 Manchester Road in West County. Randall's and Curbs have teamed up with Buffalo Trace for a special single-barrel release. All bottles of curbside select will be released this saturday starting at 1 p.m find more details on the saturday's curbside select release event with curbs buffalo trace and randall's wines and spirits now at 101espn.com so we'll see if we can get in contact with curbs but uh, for now let's talk about this power play team um they they get the power play goal last night they had seven shots on goal on their four power five power play opportunities that they had against the Florida Panthers. And the power play has gone through a lot of change over these last two games, two games, few games, I should say, you know, they've had impact players out. You know, they had Krug out for a while. They don't have their one-time option and David Perron on the number one unit. The number two unit now does not have Robert Thomas, but in spite of all of that power play has still been second best in the national hockey league. Power play has still found ways to win them hockey games. If you look at what it is right now, it's a 29.6% clip. They're four for 15 in their last five games, one for five last night against the Panthers. And for a team that is trying to find some chemistry at even strength. And and by the way, I mean, they scored three goals at even strength, two goals at even strength, one at even strength and overtime, one on the power play. For a team that's been struggling to find that even strength chemistry with so many guys in and out of the lineup and last night not even having a fourth line, you have to rely on your power play. You have to have a power play that can go out there and steal you hockey games. I'm thinking of that Panthers game where they scored the power play goal to tie things up in the second period. I'm thinking of that Tampa Bay Lightning game where they scored two power play goals against that squad. Right now, the only other team that's better than the Blues on the power play are the Edmonton Oilers. So for a team that's got 30 points in 25 games, a team that doesn't have as many impact players on it, you got to have the power play clicking on all cylinders. Special teams has to be effective, but more so than anything, Tanner, it's got to be your power play and it's got to stay around this 25% or more uh, clip. Yeah. And you know, we talk about reasons for kind of optimism building from the win last night when you were shorthanded and beat the Florida Panthers, the best team in the NHL in overtime. I mean, the power play could be that reason to have optimism because, as you said, it's second in the National Hockey League. It's missing pieces like David Perron, as you mentioned. Justin Falk, who's sometimes been on the power play as well. 
it looks good. It looks really good. I know they only had the one goal last night. They were one for five. Yeah. But, I mean, you look at the last five games, in total shots on the power play, They, in terms of like a scoring clip as well, they are, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, at thir- almost 33% on the power play. And they have a total of, I believe, twenty, yeah, 27 shots in the last five games on the power play. That's a lot of opportunities being created via your power play. It's almost five, over five shots a game coming from the power play. Four of 15 is the mark in the last five games. So you look at the power play. If you're struggling five on five, you have a chance to, when you get penalties, because let's be honest, in the regular season, there's more called than there is in the postseason. You have more opportunities to take advantage of it with this dangerous power play. If you're sitting top five in the league and you're getting 27 shots in a five-game stretch, I mean, this power play is lethal enough to where if a team is going to take penalties on you in one game, maybe you're struggling five-on-five, the power play can get you right back into it because it is that dangerous and is playing that well so far. 100%. And look, to get those power plays, you have to work behind the goal line. You have to work in the offensive zone to draw the penalties, and the Blues got to that in the second period. I know that they were called three penalties, and some people will look at it as you know they were evening things up. But those power plays that the Blues were handed were because the Blues were being the aggressors in the second period. So for how good this power play can be and has been all season long, and the fact that you're 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 adjusting on the fly, you're taking a Perron, the one-time option off of that number one unit, Jordan Cairo moves on to it, and it still clips and it still gets goals. Braden Shen, Tarasenko, what a connection they had for the power play goal. But your second unit is the one that's more impressive to me. The second unit is the one that you're getting those depth guys. Remember, we talked about depth earlier in the show, T-Bone. The second unit, you're throwing Logan Brown onto, Ivan Barbashev onto, Oscar Sundquist onto. Craig Ruby's tried to do everything in his book to get that power play to click. And the second unit has been the one that's been more effective than the first unit. I'd have to go back and see how many goals each unit has scored over the power play in the last 10 games. But you've you've been getting a lot of moments where the number one unit has been starting the power play, or the number two unit has been starting the power play because it's been so good. So we've talked about keeping the head above water. It's something that you got to focus on. And to do that, T-Bone, it's going to come down to this power play continuing to be at a nice clip and continuing to put pressure on the opposition. Because the more that the other team fears your power play, the more they're not going to try and take penalties, the more they're going to take a step off of their game, the more that the Blues can exploit because we know how good they can be at even strength. Yeah, they lose a little bit of their aggressiveness. They're maybe not Mm -hmm. as aggressive because of a fear of taking a penalty. And if if you're the St. Louis Blues, you mentioned it, that second unit's been really good. The second unit had Logan Brown on it last night for a little bit. So that shows you. And he picked up an assist on it. Yeah, so that shows you the depth pieces that are coming through for the St. Louis Blues. And. Was was Barbie on the second unit? Yeah, Barbie. So, so, so the goal that Barbashev, well, Saad scored, it was Barbashev, and then Saad got the tip. That was the end of a power play. Yeah, so, I mean, it was pretty, and I saw the text from the text, that's what made me think play. of it, too, was the, that was pretty much a power play goal, because they scored five seconds, I believe, after that power play ended. So, that second unit, having those, and we talked about it earlier, you know, the depth guys have to step up. Not only are they stepping up in five-on-five play, and they look pretty good last night, they're stepping up on that second power play unit, filling in the voids that are coming through with the injuries and the COVID-related issues. And the Blues power play just looks incredible at this point in the year. And again, to me, that is going to be a difference maker during this stretch for them. Yeah, it's going to be an area you focus in on, and it's going to be areas in a lot this this season that you've seen where you look at it and you say, man, they should have won that game. Oh, they went 0 for on the power play. And the games are like, damn, I can't believe they pulled out a point in that one. Oh, they went 2 for 4 on the power play. It's been a different maker all season. It's what the Blues were lacking last year. That's why when I hear people say, 
well, this is why you can't judge a team year to year. You go off of what they continue to do. Last year was completely different than this year. One, your penalty kill stunk. This penalty kill has gotten better. Two, your power play is so much better. And three, much deeper on the forward position for the St. Louis Blues team, which is another reason why both power play units are clicking at a nice clip right now. He's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Alex Ferrario. It is BKN Ferrario. We will take a break. We'll come back. Jamie Rivers is going to cross things over with us before the fast lane starts at 2 here on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover on 101 ESPN. Time to cross things over with the fast lane as we wrap things up here on Ferrario and T-Bone. I can call oh, wow. it that now. You changed it? I can call it that now. You changed it that fast? Look, we have a rule on this show. When you're out more than a week, then I get to change the name of the show. Maybe he's not out. He's, he's missing two days. No, he's not. No, he's missing all next week. Oh, is he? Yeah. yeah. And all the right. Monday after that. And then too. the Monday after oh, that. And then he comes back then. and then he gets Christmas time off. Am I kidding me? And then T-Bone you gotta, and you Ferrario. Gotta T- Whoa. What? No? Come on, man. What? Ferrario and T-Bone. Well, does it have the same ring? No, it doesn't, it actually. Doesn't really, no. But damn my last name. It just doesn't work well in the first. It's always T-bone the last. T-Bone and Ferrari. No. No. All right. I liked. I keep trying. You, you do your best T-bone with it. T-Bone and company. There we go. Mm. Okay. T-Bone and friends. All right. Now there it's just is. Ferrario and friends. You out, T-Bone. Oh, wow. We're talking it over with Jamie Rivers of the Fast Lane before it starts up at 2 o'clock here today. And Craig Berube, I believe, is coming on at 2.30, so we get to hear from the Chief. Yeah, hopefully he's not too grumpy. He's going to be in a chipper mood. Yeah, he's usually pretty good with us. However, I wouldn't even be mad if he was just completely irritated that you know we're going to ask him about injuries and COVID and all that stuff. Well, that's when you start and you warm him up like you usually do. You're great at that, Jamie. You ask him, you know, you and a bear in a bar fight, who wins, mm. Chief? Depends how big the bear is. It's true. Uh, and depends if the bear's ever been punched in the face before. It's true. Because if it hasn't, then guess what? There's a rude awakening because Chief's got them big bear hands. Yeah. And you've just looked that one, and the bear might be like, whoa, I didn't See, sign up for this. We already warmed up Craig Berube. By the way, I loved him last night at the end of the press conference. You can tell when Craig Berube is done with the media because before well, really, the answer. What tells you that, Alex? Uh, well, usually before the answer comes out or before the questions are asked, he'll stand up and he'll say, good, okay, thanks. He did that last night, mm. and then the next question, he sat back down, and they go, so, Craig, when are you going to start working on the lines for next game? Right now. Walked <laughs> off the podium. Loved well, every second of it. Yeah, I mean, what do you do? You're Craig Berube, and you're you're sitting there with these stupid COVID protocols. Stupid. And what I mean by stupid is not the fact that guys get held out. No, that's fine. It is what it is. Right. Stupid as in you don't get cap relief of some kind. It, it, I'm not even talking dollar for dollar here. Like Just an emergency I would just make up. a maximum of a million-dollar player coming up. Right. So that key, that takes away all the you know, so-called NHLers that may be buried in the minors because they're making three or four million or they're a better player. But it just it basically keeps you right at your entry-level type contract. Yeah, but I don't want to steal. Apparently the, that's too hard to figure out. I don't want to steal the thunder from your show, so don't give away too much on this one, Jamie. But I, I just don't understand, and Armstrong talked about it earlier. You you were penalized with the player, which is a weird thing to say. Like, you're penalized because a player is injured with the guys on the COVID and the LTIR, and they say you have to play a man down. They do that, mm. and they're able to call somebody up, but then in the process, they lose another player. How mm-hmm. do you say, well, now you got to play down another man again? 
How yeah. do you not just say you can bring up two forwards now? Yeah, it's um, it's not a perfect situation as far as the rules go and the process is concerned. But I don't know. The NHL should just make COVID uh, non-cap related. Just bottom line. You make a guy sit out for 10 days. It's non-cap related. You get cap relief for a player. That's it. For that amount of money? I don't even care. Yeah. How many guys have superstars sitting well, in the minors right now that are going to come up and make massive differences because they make $5 million in the American Hockey League? Well, and that's the thing, too. because ever one. Uh, oh, maybe not making $5 million. But we got a superstar in the minors. Who? That anus guy. It's Sam Anis. It's not Anis. Anis. Oh, sorry. It's close enough. Okay. Well. He's an AHL star, at least. But... <laughs> so many... I don't even know how to get back into that. Know. Thanks a lot, T-Bone. That's it. It's Ferrari and company now. Someone tweeted me yesterday, Jamie, and they said, well, they can't do that because then the teams will exploit it like they did with Kucherov. That's nothing to do with it. And you can't use that loophole because you have 10 days around the COVID list and then you're off of it. Well, and you actually have to have COVID. Yeah. Whereas, like, you test positive for COVID and you have it and it's league regulations. Like, with Kucherov, who's to say if he's ready or not? Oh, right. his knee's still you can kind say of he's sore. Uh-huh. His arm isn't feeling 100%. You right. can drag it out for another couple weeks, three weeks. Who cares? Oh, he's not in shape yet. You can't drag out COVID. You, you get 10 days. You that's it. And yeah. if you still feel like crap after the 10 days, that's on you. Yeah. That's a, that's, but you're sorry. back on the salary cap you're at that point. back on the cap. You're, you know, whatever. Yeah. I think it's a really easy thing to to fix. Do do you think the NHL and PA go to the table at some point midseason? Because I know that some GMs have leverage, and when when they voice their displeasure, things seem to change. I don't think it's going to change. You don't think so? I don't think so. I think that what uh, you know, based on what Bill Daly has said in the past, was that unless there's a massive outbreak, which I know there's three guys on the Blues right now, and they've had a bunch of guys throughout the season, but there's only two teams that I know of right. that have been affected where they have to move games. And I think they talked about four and five teams being affected to make it where they would sit back at the table immediately and try to figure it out. So until that point, which hopefully never comes, exactly. Uh, until that point, I think we're, we're saddled with the way it's set up. Do they fix the emergency call-up thing, though? And I don't even know how long that's been in the NHL. It's been around forever. Has I don't it? even know what the, I don't even think that's a big deal. If you if you get rid of the the stupid COVID rule, then, then you're not worrying about you don't the have COVID. To worry about that, right? You know, yeah. Because how many times are you sitting there talking about injury after injury after injury? That's why it's so odd. Because the Blues with what two guys on LTIR, two guys that are day to day, and now you got two other guys. So six of the nine players that are out are actually injured, with the other three being on COVID. Yeah, it's listen. It, this is not a, a perfect it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare for sure. Um, watching the bench last night and, and Craig Berube's reaction and Steve Ott when you know Jake Wallman and Huso basically go down at the exact same yeah. time to tie a game under five minutes. You're putting a goalie in that you really don't know what you're getting at that point. You could just see that there was like a, a, a frustration slash concern. Yeah go across their faces, but look, they closed it out. Yeah. They closed it out and got the win. Now, you know, you'd rather not have to go through that again, but I believe Jordan Bennington will be available maybe this weekend. I know Tyler Bozak becomes available, I think. Saturday, he's off of the COVID list, so Sunday he could play. And then the other guys could play on, su- like they're off of the COVID list on Sunday. And they could play like And they could Tuesday. play Tuesday. Yeah. And Armstrong said Bennington was early next week, so that's maybe Sunday you could get him at best. 
Hmm. So I, that's if he's ready to go. Exactly. And I don't even know if he's been skating on his own. Tori Krug is the only one that we know of that was able to jump right back into action when he came off of COVID list because he said he had the luxury of skating and working out in his basement to where he could jump right back into play. Yeah. So yeah. it's going to be interesting, Ribs. Well, I don't want, we, obviously, you guys got plenty more blues talk. Craig nah, Ruby coming up at 2.30. More baseball, I'm assuming, to yeah, get into. More baseball. There's a lot of movement. CBA update? World. Yeah. Coming your way Lots with Jamie Rivers. stuff. Rivs, we'll talk to you later. Have fun on the show today. Thank you. Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter, Brad Thompson. Meet the fast lane coming up next. T-Bone and I will be back tomorrow with Jeremy Rutherford from 11 to 2 here on 101 ESPN. If it's huge, you could still make it work. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. You're the one who protects the flock, and that requires an eye for detail. Because when safety and well-being are on the line, it's the details that can save lives. Even when no one else is watching, you see everything. Granger gets you, and we're here for you, and all the ones who get it done with a wide range of safety products and solutions, plus board-certified safety consultants here to answer your questions. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.